0: I know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're a idiot. But that's the evidence in the car! But I was going to Tosche Station to pick up some power converters. Always oh, like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range ADC, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. 1999 was a weird time. I think we can all admit that. The world was bracing for Y2K by stockpiling canned goods and hoping that somehow we'd avoid a computer apocalypse. Companies were still adding the letter Z to everything in a desperate attempt to be cool. And the University of New Hampshire had just unleashed a pair of recent graduates who would go on to change podcasting forever. More than likely for the worse, but changed nevertheless. So with all that background in place, it's time for us to party like it's 1999 and count down our favorite movies from the last year of the 20th century in this episode 112 i am your uncle todd and with me as always is the man who because of a freak accident during the 1980s is the reason why shampoo bottles have instructions he has been my partner in edc for over two decades and always smells like a fresh spring morning i give you the man they call tim greetings and
1: salutations my friend how are
0: you you know could be better could be worse
1: Eh. effervescing Smelling sweet—is that what we're doing?
0: Is effervescing a, a verb in that sense? Are you, know, you actually effervesce, or is it? Are you just effervescent? I, I think you can effervesce. If so, I—that's what I aspire to do. Tomorrow, I want to effervesce, and I'll probably get arrested <laughs> for it. As a matter of fact. <laughs> sir, would you come down from there? You are not allowed to effervesce on city property. No, dang! I thought you could effervesce wherever you want. No, sir. Especially not when you're wearing no pants. Oh, I thought that was part of effervescing. You're wrong. I misunderstood. I'm doing well, sir, and yourself. I am well. Recharged. Had some vacay
1: over the last uh, couple of weeks here, my friend.
0: Oh, look at you.
1: <laughs> doing well.
0: <Just sighs> look at you.
1: Visited our nation's capital and, and took in the sights. And
0: Didn't get tackled by the time. Secret Service once. I'm proud of you. Uh well you know we we behaved ourselves so <laughs> Uh yeah Although you did you did have a little trouble with a with one of those scooters, which quite honestly, I am disappointed in you, sir. I am very disappointed <laughs> in you that you rented one of those electric scooters because I remember when we were having <laughs> breakfast in Denver, you were haranguing me about the time when someone blew past you on an electric bicycle and you felt you felt like cheated because they're not actually doing any work while well, you're pedaling your little heart out, and That's here right. you are zipping around on a frigging electric scooter like. Some 21st century Dennis the Menace.
1: <laughs> it's it's two different situations. One is, uh, you know, on vacation trying to get from point A to point B uh, on city uh, roads and sidewalks. And the other is, you know, I'm trying to, like, you know, exercise like the rest of the folks on the trail. And this, you know, Ham and Eggers flying by with some motorized bicycle.
0: What is that? Ham and Egger, it actually would seem like you were the Ham and because you are the one who did, couldn't afford the uh, electric bicycle. <laughs> well... Fair enough, just saying. But
1: yes, this trip. Uh, now that our our uh, our sons were uh, eighteen and above, we could uh, collectively all kind of go and, and travel together, and so uh, we we did so and and enjoyed uh, using these uh, scooters going through the various uh, streets and paths of the uh, Washington mall uh, and uh, really enjoyed uh, our time there. You know, uh, got to see the international spy museum. That was a highlight from the, uh, from the trip and uh, you know, just other sites. Oh, I will highly recommend if you've never been, do go to uh, the air and space museum uh, extension edition out in Dulles Mm. airport. Um, Okay. That is that is really, really cool. It is essentially Uh, some hangars that have been kind of pushed together or or, or kind of turned into a a museum of sorts. And they have all sorts of different aircraft. There's a Concorde in there. There's an SR-71. There's a space shuttle, which, you know, to to walk around a space shuttle and see how absolutely huge it is, is just incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, no, just, just a lot of really great stuff. Had had a great time with the family. But the story unto which Uncle Todd is referring to is as I was uh, traveling with my sons on one of our journeys, one of of our jaunts, if you will, down to the, uh, you know, uh, Washington mall to, uh, scoot around and, and have some fun. I thought it would be fun to, as we're going down, uh, independence Avenue on the sidewalk to, uh, zoom through the Dwight D Eisenhower open air memorial that is, uh, present on one of the city blocks. Now, just for
0: reference here, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to fully get the picture here. I want you to, I want you to, to understand that, that the man they call Tim no spring chicken is he. This is this is a man who is hurtling towards fifty now. Okay. Yes. Yes. On his little scooter. Ding, yes. ding, ding, ding. I, mean, I don't even know if it had a little bell it on it, but bell. I'm imagining it. it of course it did. Of it course loud. it did. Trying to trying to zoom, quote unquote, through the Dwight D Eisenhower Memorial. The man who was the the like. <laughs> the top commander of allied forces during World War II, the supreme <laughs> commander of allied forces in World War II, the the, the man who, who's, who's a two-term president of the United States who's responsible for the grand highway system so that we can drive coast to coast, he's going to zoom through his monument. Please continue, in, sir. In, in honor of the highway system. I was just trying in to... Honor you know. of the- <laughs> All right. Fair enough. You got me on that one. Okay. (laughs) I'll allow it. (laughs) So,
1: Understanding that there is, uh, you know, some, some software disables going on when it comes to parking, uh, these scooters, there, there was a big red block, uh, around the Capitol building, uh, to, to not park the scooters around it. And therefore you can't, uh, so you, you actually can't end your ride. You have to take it somewhere, you know, outside of that zone. um, yeah, so I, I was uh, riding along and thought this would be just kind of a fun thing to do, uh, and so I as soon as I crossed over into the threshold of Ike's Memorial, uh, the power was cut immediately on my scooter, <gasps> and I I rolled to a stop, and it, you know it wasn't sudden, it wasn't like you flip off or anything like that. It's you just know, that you know, would have been
0: awesome, actually. Well, fair enough, but uh, with a little no, comes with a stop. little like electronic voice afterwards, like you should have known better. No, no, the voice is going to say shame, shame. Actually, it would have been better for the what was the guy from uh, he played Newman on on Seinfeld but in Jurassic Park. He was like, "Ah uh, ah uh, ah." Uh, oh, uh, yes. Uh, uh, yes. That would be perfect. That would be as be. you're laying there bloodied and beaten on the so, concrete and you so, hear that from right by, by your head. So uh, being uh, someone who
1: works in software, I, I am familiar with the concept of what we call as a geofence, which is there there is a virtual boundary you can set up for vehicles that have, you know, geolocation tracking going on with them. So I'm like, all right, I'll step out of the zone. I'll have power again. I'll be a good citizen and just move along and leave Ike alone. No, didn't start. So I had to walk it. My sons were already like a block away, you know, down from me where I was. So I'm walking along, just staring at Eisenhower. It's like you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now here's the problem. I had nothing to do with this. You're the one who is going to zoom through a national monument. I would say well, you, to you honor got off him easy because of the highway contribution. I said it's not the Tony Hawk, you know, memorial. All right, it's. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm having to explain this to you. I walked a city
1: block because I had no power. When I got to the next block, then power was restored and I went back to vroom vrooming again. So the lesson here is do not take these electric scooters and uh, cross into um,
0: the holy territory of these memorials. So. yes and and the other message is if you're gonna if you're gonna fly with a with a the man they call tim don't expect to fly first class because that only happens <laughs> when he tra- travels by himself <laughs> he took the whole fam they all flew in coach <laughs> i'm pretty sure one of the i'm pretty sure so one drove. of the boys was we drove oh. that's right you drove oh we drove. probably like what an 87 yugo uh no no we took our vehicle it was good. Oh, okay it was roomy. But you it's still stayed at a, a, yet another great Airbnb pick by you as well. Because It you, was. Know, Centrally went located from a, sh- and wonderful. Went from a shed to a murder basement. <laughs> this thing goes <laughs> on a dank, dank stairway down to this place. that is essentially like, might as well have a sign of like, free candy. You know, yep. it's like, oh. It was... <sniffs> but it, was, it, it, it uh, was, I'm sure it was I, lovely
1: on the inside. I mm. sent Uncle Todd pictures of the inside and it was
0: lovely. It's fantastic. Yes, the, you barely even notice the altar for human sacrifices. Really, that's it was, true. It's very tastefully done. I will. admit. That's true. Sure, it was that's by true. IKEA.
1: And how yeah, about you, so, sir? Uh, big happenings going on with you,
0: I believe. Well, yeah, and this entire segment is because uh, the man they called him felt that people were concerned about us. Uh, he he said that he had gotten some wellness checks. No one caught. Con- nobody contacted me. Everyone's very happy that apparently I'm not on the interweb. So. <laughs> And you know what? (laughs) We've been away for a couple weeks, so, you know. Totally merited in my case. Uh, I am a new homeowner, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Ah, there we go. After renting for a year, uh, we are now homeowners yet again. And uh, we are in the midst of, well, for the past three weeks, we were in the process of, like, trying to get all the paperwork together and then signing paperwork. And now we're in the process of beginning home renovations on the new place before we move in. So, Today I was I was demoing a flagstone floor. Uh, if you say, I would not call that demoing. I would call it Uncle
1: Todd going full on Hulk smash on the flagstone.
0: It, well, yes, that too. Um Yeah, so it was a uh, it was a floor in the living room that they decided to put flagstones, which is normally an exterior uh, type of thing. Decided to put that on the inside of the house. <laughs> So I was there with my my own version of Mjolnir uh, just (laughs) hammering away at this bastard all friggin' afternoon and uh, then had to rip Uh. up the plywood that was underneath it, protecting the hardwood floors that were underneath that, that the people had used two-and-a-half-inch threaded wood screws every six inches on the plywood. Oh, boy. Because apparently they thought that this floor was just going to grow legs, get up, and walk off. They're, they're preparing it for you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I swear that whoever put that thing down must have owned a hardware store. That's so the only to way to something. explain. Yeah. So guys, go right ahead. So,
1: so you, you you posted a picture on social media of, of the, the mighty hammer you were wielding. Yes. I have to ask, was there a moment when you held it up high to the sky and said, by the power of Grayskull, and then started just, you know, hammering away?
0: Well, no, it's not a sword. You have to—that's well, a. I know that. I'm just that saying. was a sword that the uh, you know right. Prince Adam was holding aloft. This is a four pound you know Stanley sledgehammer. It's a little, little bit different, you yeah. know. Didn't but know if you no, reenacted
1: any of the uh, you know Thor movies with you know the holding up the 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 hammer there. So
0: I did try and throw it and see if it would come back. It didn't. Now we have some drywall repair, but you know, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> it was a wall that already uh, of looked crappy. You did. You know, so it, it figure. So, uh, just just in case anyone is wondering, uh, for the first time in a long time, the the pilot has turned on the drinking beer sign here uh, at at my home studio because nice. I'm aching in places that I haven't, I didn't even realize I still had. So, um, it's uh, this is pain pain uh, mediation at this point. Very <laughs> is nice. what's going on. Oh my gosh! I'm enjoying an Old Forester 86 proof. Well, look at you. As always, just the uh-huh. – and the, the thing is, and I, I – I, I, you know, not that the man they call Tim didn't have a rough day, but it's not like he was doing manual labor because, again, the man they call Tim, he – first class all the way. He has people <laughs> that he calls in that does this stuff. I'm I'm with you. I'm with the people with uh. you down there in the DIY trenches, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm not having none of that floofly upper crust, you know – uh, fancy bourbon whiskey nothing but beer here yeah <laughs> I mean,
1: uh, nothing but beer gr- in my grunting uh.
0: granted it's a craft gluten-free beer so it cost me more money than i'd care to even admit so i won't <laughs> actually it costs prob this four pack that i bought probably costs almost as much as the bottle that the man they call dr- tim is drinking out of right ah, now yes yes oh uh don't get that celiacs kids it's nope. a pain right in the arse okay. all right well i think that we've caught people up enough now that they're not concerned about our well-being uh of course now it's time to bring back that favorite of all segments
1: mm-hmm. Feels so funky
0: sir what do you got for this week's week weekend geek
1: uh, well, I have a very Marvel heavy, Marvel centric weekend geek. What else is new? Sweet. Uh, but some very interesting stuff. First off, uh, we have an interesting rumor uh from fandomwire.com. Uh, courtesy of Vizarg Achari, if I'm saying their name right. Uh the rumor is this Henry Cavill.
0: Now hang on a second. Is that is that like the dude's is that the person's name or is that was that like a username?
1: Uh, it, it looks like an author's name. It says uh, okay. the article's name, the article's title, which I will read in a moment, by Vizarg Achari.
0: Okay, because I thought you might be trying. I thought it might be like a play on uh, what was no. the, the Chitari from the ah. first Avengers, and I was like, is it a username or is that like uh,
1: Un- just unless a- it's uh, w- w- what's it called when authors use a different name, a pen name or something like that, right?
0: Yeah, but I'm guessing if you have a pen name, you'd be going with something different than that. I mean, maybe, uh, I don't know, but that's... You never know. Anyways, what what is, a, what is the, the, the person in question have to say?
1: The title is, Henry Cavill Jumping Ship Would Be the Ultimate FKU to DC, as reports pour in claiming Cavill is playing Marvel's version of Superman in Loki Season 2.
0: What?! Okay, first of all, what is Marvel's version of Superman?
1: So as the article explains, Marvel has uh, a, a character that goes by the name of Hyperion. And Hyperion shares a very similar backstory to Clark Kent in that he, uh, let's see, he's a superhuman uh, sent to Earth as a baby from a dying race of Eternals. He's adopted by a human named Father. Oh, that's original,
0: <laughs> uh, and <laughs> and he's raised. Uh, he you really worked fa- hard on that one. <laughs> Crank that out over a, over a Saturday, couple beers I, on a at a barbecue. Hey, Shecky, I have an
1: idea. I'm gonna get <laughs> this. This baby's gonna get adopted, and the name of the father is Father. What do
0: you think? And meanwhile, Stanley's over in the corner puking up his sixth warm beer, going Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So apparently he's uh, from a dying race of Eternals, raised by a human named Marcus Milton, uh, teaches him society's rules and ethics, which later leads to the child becoming a superhero named Hyperion. And so... The uh, rumors have been circling that um, he could join as that character. Of course, the irony would be he would basically be jumping from playing Superman in the DC universe to playing the Superman equivalent in the Marvel universe. Um, The thing I think is kind of cool is the fact that they're talking that this rumor is steeped in the idea that he would be uh, a character in Loki season two, uh, which is kind of interesting because, um, you know, again, it. You know, I've I've as I've mentioned many times when we've talked about shows and real and jabronies, it's it's more fun when you you can't fully understand where all of this is going. So why a Superman-esque character makes his presence felt in Loki, I mean it it jives with the craziness of Loki, but you know, True. we're not entirely sure where they're going in season two with this show as we as we discussed a few episodes ago. And uh it'll be interesting, uh, if if this does in fact materialize what that character will end up doing.
0: Mm you know what i'm all in and quite honestly with the way that dc has kind of tanked their cinematic universe to the point now where they're like we're now rebooting we've got a 10-year plan i'm like yeah is this any better than the last 10-year plan that you abandoned after three years uh probably not uh, you know in in a way if henry's anything like me after after the way DC completely cratered their universe, I'd be like, you know what? I'll do it for half price. I'll do it just <laughs> to stick it to him. <laughs> just I, you know, just because. Just I'll it, because I'll play him
1: with vim and viga
0: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. No, I, I. It could be cool. I mean, the thing is, the weird thing about Henry Cavill is, I honestly he's one of those actors that I really don't remember him specifically from anything he's been in. Like I yeah, know he's been in yeah. more than just a couple Superman movies and that one mission impossible movie. I can't remember him from anything. Like he just has not left a mark on me whatsoever. Now maybe it's just the movies that I tend to watch, but mm-hmm. he does not stand out to me whatsoever. Does it, mm-hmm. am I the only one on that one? Um, no,
1: I mean, I, I really, if you ask me to name what else he's been in, I really don't know. Um, you know, so he, he seems to kind of, you know, it it seems his career is kind of foundationally built around Superman. Um, I, I know he's been in a movie or two. I thought he was in, I want to say a couple of years ago, he was in a spy movie with, um, Oh gosh, now I can't think of his name. He he was the actor who played one of the uh, who played the Winkle Vosses in the Social Network. Um, and he well he, he was in a he was in Mission Impossible, Army Hammer. Army Hammer. Okay, um, he he Cavill, Henry Cavill, and Army Hammer were in some sort of like it was like based in the '60s and they were like British spies or something like that. And um, but it was a real just like throwaway you know you know it wasn't a movie i don't think anyone was clamoring to go to the theater to see sort of thing it's all pre covid yeah. um and uh i'm aware of that but otherwise i really don't know what he's been in
0: so he's been so- in some stuff i mean i'm looking at his imdb right now and i mean i don't i don't really know oh uh, he was in Hellraiser Hellworld the video whatever the crap that is uh he was in a red he was in Red Riding Hood in 2006 okay Uh, He was in a bunch of episodes of the Tudors TV series. Mm. Um, And then we start getting into Man of Steel um, and then the man from Uncle, which now that you now that I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that.
1: Oh, yeah. That must be the movie with Army Hammer, the man from Uncle, right?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And then he was in uh, Batman v Superman a movie called sandcastle justice league, uh, or I should say justice league, then mission impossible fallout. Um, then he was in night hunter Enola Holmes, then Jack Snyder's justice league. Then of course he was in the witcher for a couple seasons. And now that's it. Everything else he's in is, yeah, is, uh, either completed or post-production on en- Holmes, which now, again, now that I hear that, I'm like, Oh, that's right. He was Sherlock fracking Holmes. Mm. But again, didn't even register for me. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is about him. He's he. I, I I I don't want to down the guy because I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a bad actor, but really doesn't leave much of a mark on me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Know. I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to turn this into. Let Let me just thrash on Henry Cavill. No, no, but, but well, but we've also talked about you know maybe that's a
1: byproduct. I mean it it's not meant to be a, a, uh, you know, a judgment on him, but you know, I, I do think being tied to a franchise that struggles, I mean, I, I think his Superman, I, I remember the first Superman movie I thought was, was widely, you know, applauded and, and accepted. Oh, and yeah, thought to be, Man
0: of steel. I thought was an, I thought was a pretty dang good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was, and I, then, that actually had me excited. And then we got to Batman V Superman it's like, ah, and we're done.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to tell if we're just kind of conflating the fact that he, he was in a couple of projects that were high profile, but poorly executed. And, mm. you know, and that's kind of led to it being like, you know, eh, you know, not a big deal, but I, I think it'd be kind of cool. And, and, you know, I think it, it would be, um, you know, for, and, and, you know, when they talk about it being a big, you know, fu to, to DC, I mean, I, I honestly don't care about stuff like that. I know there's fans that, that get off, you know, probably get off on that sort of thing. But um, I, I just, you know, I as long as he's entertaining and as long as, you know, what he's doing in the Marvel Universe is pushing the narrative forward and telling, you know, the great stories that we've become accustomed to, I'm happy with that. I, I think it is ironic. I think it is, is you know, definitely a neat little twist to have him play essentially the mirror version of himself in a totally different comic book universe but mm. let's see where it goes and I'm, I'm actually like i said more interested in see what if he does if he does materialize what does that have to do with you know the, the loki storyline and the multiverse and all of that because i got to imagine the multiverse is going to be a big part of loki season two so kind of curious to see you know how he fits that way indeed indeed all right. Next one is actually an item we talked about not too long ago. I think in our last, uh, I'm trying to think it's been so long. What was our, our I was last gonna episode? Say,
0: not that long ago is a pretty long ago right now.
1: It feels that way. I, I need to look up what our last episode was here. Cause
0: was that the Marvel one? I don't remember. I believe it was Marvel it, mania.
1: It was Marvel mania. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit and, uh, and, you know, kind of, uh, pontificated, uh, on the topic, but, uh, you know, from comicbook.com, uh, the title of the article uh, from Nicole Drum is MCU Phase 4. What was the point? Uh, you know, we kind of talked about that a little bit, how how there there seemed to be a, a direction and path for each of the first three phases. And we've been in Phase 4 for a couple years now and really not sure what direction we're going in because there is no overarching narrative that's going right now. I mean, we're, we know Kang is coming. Uh, we've seen uh, a, you know, in Loki season one and in the finale, a, a very, uh, brief glimpse of what is to come. Um, but you know, what is the point of phase four here? And in this article, what, I mean, really, if I just boil it down, um, and this is also based off of, uh, I think, uh, comments made by Kevin Feige during last month's uh, Comic-Con was, um, let me see if I can find the Spot. Uh, Yeah, that becomes clear that phase four of the MCU is meant to explore trauma, loss, grief, and how those things impact not just individual characters, but the universe and multiverse in parentheses as a whole. Uh, And so I, I like I thought the article was, you know, it was interesting to kind of read about that and, and think about, you know, maybe and, and we talked about this last episode, like maybe this was just a breath phase, a pause phase of not trying to launch right into the next big bad and the next, you know, Thanos arc sort of thing. Um, obviously not with Thanos, but whoever the next big bad is going to be, but mm. yeah, to take that breath and to kind of explore these characters and explore what they've been going through and to look back and think about like WandaVision and Loki and, you know, uh, Captain America and the winter soldier, and just all, you know, both the TV shows and the movies that, that have played, um, you know, that, uh, that a lot of it has been around that, you know, those, those themes of, you know, dealing with grief and loss and, and trauma and how, you know, the, the characters are kind of processing things that have gone around them. And, and we've talked at length in the past number of episodes about how cool it is that they keep weaving the snap and the effect of the snap into these, in, into these stories, into these narratives and seeing, mm how different characters are impacted by it and, and how, and whether they were absorbed in the snap or were, if they were simply living out their four or five years during the snap. Um, you know, we talked recently about black Panther last episode about, you know, are we going to see, you know, when we see that he's gone, is it when he's gone because of the snap or is it when he's really gone in, you know, kind of the the timeline that they're in? So, um, so anyway, so I just think it was, it, it was just kind of a well-timed article that happened after we recorded that episode. And, but yet we talked about it. And I just appreciated kind of the confirmation that this was almost like kind of a, a pause phase, if you will, to kind of really process and examine and and kind of tee up these characters for now, what is to come in five and six, um, as we
0: start to get knee deep in the world of,
1: by God, there's King.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's a, it's, I obviously, I agree with Feige because, you know, he's the dude behind it. He's the one pulling the string. So who am I to disagree with what his assessment of what he's doing? Um, I think it's also a matter of putting more pieces on the board. Because just the way that the that, you know, phase one unfolded, Iron Man was really the connective tissue going between a lot of these things or if he if 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 Tony Stark wasn't connective tissue then Nick Fury was and we got Nick Fury at the end of Iron Man so those two kind of Mm -hmm. were connected right right from the get-go yep they don't have that right now you know you've taken out Tony Stark Steve Rogers and uh you know Black Widow I mean you you you've taken a a lot of those pieces that bounced around between and connected a lot of the other, the other people you were working with, and they're gone now. So now, yeah. what do you do? You right. know, so it's to me, it's setting a lot more pieces on the board because you you need to, because otherwise you're gonna try and rely, you're gonna lean too heavily on Thor, and Thor is not, is not really that character, you know. Right. So, right. I see it as that, um, I gotta be honest, and this is something that we will probably talk about in the future. I think that we might be heading towards a saturation point because when you're trying to introduce this much content, you're always in setup mode and setup mode is, is not always the most exciting part of the thing. You know, sometimes you just want to get to what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. Marvel has done a, a fairly good job of making their origin stories punchy and to yep. not spend too much time in the weeds. They were able to kind of walk that line of, okay, we're going to give you just enough information and we're going to give a nod to the to the comics fans so that they know that we know, but we're also going to make it somewhat accessible enough to new fans that they can kind of pick it up as they go. We'll give you yeah. enough breadcrumbs so that you know – you kind of get enough and if you can, you know, add two plus two, you're going to be able to connect the dots. Yeah. Now they're trying to add so much stuff that it almost, when you're constantly in setup mode, you start getting bogged down in setup mode. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's not part of the issue because. Yeah. Trying to intro a whole bunch of new characters. And I mean, right now, quite honestly, there's strings dangling Left, right, and center. Oh, yeah. Of, of yep. stuff that has been set up or, or has been put on the board that we don't know about yet, and because it's a bigger universe now, it's a little harder to see all the the action taking place because you're zoomed out from it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. all that to say, I agree, but I am I'm, I'm beginning to get a little wary. I got to admit, I'm a mm-hmm. little wary of of that. And maybe it's because, you know, I've oh, some of the stuff that I've watched lately has just been very simple, like and very straight yeah. ahead, like hey, here's a story of this and this and this and bang and we're done. Yeah. And there's kind of part of me that's like, wow. Kind of nice to get back to that, isn't it? Like here's a self-contained story and and then you're after an hour and a half, 2 hours, you're done. Yep. And it yeah. it's not like trying to then you don't have to go back to your to your room where you have like all of the pictures up on the wall like some sort of friggin conspiracy theory guy with like the, the red yarn tying between all the pins and you're trying to connect all the dots and it was aliens the whole time. Right. Um You don't need to do that. You're just like, oh hey, it was a good story and we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's it too. I don't know. I am still excited, but I, I'm a little I'm a little more wary than I have been at any point in the. Uh, in the mcu's history at this point yep yeah absolutely which is, i mean still to say in, in what year 12 or 13 of this thing not a bad run <laughs> no not at all
1: not at all um you know a couple of examples uh just to throw out that they say you know black widow uh which was a movie set before infinity war and endgame deals with the impact of trauma um you know especially uh you know healing from it and you know leading to natasha's sacrifice and in endgame um spider-man no way home is less of a reaction to those two movies, but, you know, dealing with a different sort of trauma, you know, you know, specifically what happened when Peter's identity was exposed, you know, and, and dealing with that and, you know, just, just kind of referencing, like, you know, shows and movies we already talked about, um, and just the way that they are and, you know, that they're all kind of dealing it in one form or another. And and when I read this, you know, like I said, I, you know, absolutely what you're saying about, you know, in kind of being in kind of setup mode and getting the pieces in place, but, um, but, but it's a thoughtful way to kind of go about things like not always, you know, trying to shoot, um, you know, for, for the next big thing, you know, right out of the gate. Um, you know, I think when we've talked about, you know, a long time back, I remember we, we were talking about, um, I think when we were doing our, our wrestling match tournament episode that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that during that late nineties, you know, attitude era of WWE and stuff that, you know, wrestlers, it was getting to a point of who, who, you know, you're not going to be able to top yourself any further because to do that is going to mean someone's either going to lose their life or they're going to get severely injured. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, you, and you have to pace these things, you know, you have to build and, and, you know, build a story, um, have layers to it. And get people invested in what these you, these men and women are doing, in order for them to, you know, have the emotion of when the match is playing out that that real, you know, kind of you know big moment when when you know the good guy who defeats the bad guy sort of thing. Um, so I, I appreciate the fact that they're taking the time to do this and, and to have those examinations and look at that. And I've really enjoyed it. You know, when, when we had hot, when we had the Hawkeye show going, I really enjoyed. Like I was really looking forward to him, him and Flo Flo, you know, um, you know, talking because of the fact that, you know, the, you know, the Hawkeye had such deep, you know, feelings and, and, you know, had a, such a deep relationship with Natasha. And so did her sister. And mm-hmm. yet, you know, Flo Flo's hunting him down because she thinks he's the one that killed her you know what I mean? And, 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 yeah. or he's responsible for that. And, you know, so that's what I was looking at. Like th- that entire series was great, but I, that was the moment I was looking forward to. And, and I don't feel like it was disappointing. You know, I feel like they, they had that emotional cathartic moment, um, where she got to understand what, you know, what, what her sister did. And, 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 and I think Hawkeye was able to get his character was able to get some stuff off of his shoulders that he was carrying. And so, um, so looking back on it now, with you know this this article, I, I just think it was uh, it was very wise of them. I think after the the, the massive battle uh, against Thanos, to kind of take that breather and 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 kind of tee up things and get things set up for for the next go around.
0: And I'd agree, uh, of course. I mean, part of it is just being a victim of your own success. Like you just you just yeah. had two of the, the biggest movies ever, and now it's really Done tough. Well both of them. Yeah. Uh, and and like I like we've said before, like not just great comic book movies, like actually legit in the discussion for great movies. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. But then it becomes very hard to then get everyone to kind of downshift and tell smaller stories. Not everyone is going to want that from you at that point. And that's why a lot of people are like, "Ah, all the Marvel's, you know, shows on the, on on Disney Plus suck and all, you know, oh, they're all crap and this and that. Oh, this crap." Some people just after you go to that place, they can't, they can't downshift. You always have to keep getting better. It's like those same people who think that the economy is always going to grow by like 2% every single year. It's like, oh yeah, how in the world does that math work out for you on a, on a world with finite space and resources that you're going to have continual growth at a steady pace forever? Like, please explain that to me because it's mind bendingly foolish, but it's the same with movies. Like people are going to, are after they get some folks, I mean, and and I don't look at it in the same way. Like, I think it's just, it's, it's almost like, um, uh, being desensitized. Like you, now you just want the, you want a bigger hit. You want a bigger explosion. You want a bigger movie. And it's like, you can't continue to do that. You have to like take a breath at some point, you know? Um, yeah, you, you you've got to, and yeah. uh, I don't know. Just some people don't want to do that, and I'm fine with it. I think it's interesting, but we'll we'll have to kind of see where it goes from now. Agreed.
1: Our last point of news from GiantFreakinRobot.com, purveyor of all things true and just in the Marvel universe.
0: Hey there, from- bob Look over there at that giant freaking robot, and hey freaking big. Nah, Look at that thinking, thing! It's so over there, standing right there in front of the fricking Dun- Dunkin' Donuts. Indeed. Um, I'm sorry, the Dunkin' Now. It's not They don't not Donuts anymore. We Too don't have carbs. time to say Dunkin' Donuts. Too so don't have say, we don't have time to say Domino's Pizza anymore. It just has to be Domino's. It has to be just Dunkin'.
1: Is Vince McMahon influencing all of this? Because now that Triple H is in charge, Riddle is becoming Matt Riddle again. Theory is becoming Austin Theory. Names are coming back, ladies and gentlemen. Is he going to all of these like fast food joints saying, you're not Taco Bell, you're Taco? It <laughs> might be, quite honestly. I mean,
0: I mean, you're for all of us.
1: You're Caesars.
0: Yeah. <laughs> little C's. Um, I mean, for quite honestly, like for all the money that Vince was laying out, he must have been getting some consulting fees on the side. That's all I'm saying.
1: Hell yeah. Uh, Anyways, last uh, article here from Giant Freaking Robot uh, from Micheline Martin Robert Downey Jr. being replaced as Tony Stark. Uh, Yes, the general uh, message of this article is, uh, as you might guess, that uh, a younger actor. Playing a younger version of Tony Stark, most likely from another uh, universe uh, from the core one that we're used to, uh, is going to uh, play Mr. Stark uh, in the upcoming uh, Avengers, uh, Kang Dynasty, and Secret Wars uh, as a way of bringing a younger Iron Man into the picture without bringing back RDJ and uh, undoing or retconning his. Uh, very emotional death in in uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh, some actors who are being bandied about as playing him, uh, and this may not mean a lot to Uncle Todd because I know he is woefully behind in watching Stranger Things. Uh, but one Joseph Quinn, who this last season of Stranger Things played the iconic now. And I, yes, I say the word iconic after a series was wow. released in June. But uh, Eddie Munson, uh, you will understand, sir, once you watch the iconic Eddie Munson character played by Joseph Quinn. Uh, he does uh, look like a dead ringer for a younger Robert Downey Jr. And uh, based on the work he did on Stranger Things, I think he would knock it out of the park. So I am excited for that. Uh, they don't really list anyone else. They say he would be kind of a a top uh, top pick for for playing this. So we will have to see. Uh, but otherwise, <clears throat> uh, what are your thoughts on bringing back a younger uh, actor to play a younger, or sorry, I don't mean to say younger, but playing a, a different actor to play a younger Robert Downey Jr.?
0: It's not really replacing or, sorry, Tony Stark. You know, I mean, yeah, that'd be really weird if it was like, oh no, this is Robert Downey Jr. No, 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 it isn't. He's he's older now. No, it is. Oh, okay, all right. All right. <laughs> Again, going back to Vince, like, no, this is the Undertaker. That's totally not the Undertaker, Vince. Like, your name's can- Taker. Yeah, I can't. I can tell that's the Undertaker. Okay, whatever. As long as the checks I, I, I are clear. I wonder clearing. if
1: Vince just got into so, like, like when they started letting talent go. Like maybe there was just like, like some sort of malfunctioning robot. He just got stuck into slash mode. You know what I mean? Like cut everything, cut talent, oh, yeah. cut their names in half, cut his hair, cut the you know, cut the cut the sh- the sleeves off that shirt. I mean, he's just in cut mode constantly.
0: Yeah, the problem is he. I don't know. There's so many jokes there and I'm not going to make them. <laughs> it's a family show. Anyways, um, it's not really replacing him. You know, I mean, you're bringing in another character. And this is a smart thing that that Marvel has done is that because of the multiverse, they've opened themselves up to bringing in other versions of characters. And even in like in Doctor Strange 2, just because uh, what's his face there? Krasinski played Reed mm-hmm. Richards. That does not mean that he has to be Reed that he is going to be the Reed Richards Mm -hmm. Um, much the same as Patrick Stewart getting like one last ride as professor X, which is I, I, you know, I totally geeked out for not only because, I mean, he was in like the, the floaty, like professor X wheelchair from like the, the TV series, but they actually had like some strains of that song come in and Mm -hmm. like, it was great. It was fantastic. But we all know that he is not going to be reprising that role as professor X. So they've given themselves this kind of get out of jail free card to to do these weird things. And I I think it's fine. I think that's a that's a, a legit storytelling device that they're using and I I'm all yeah. for it, you know. Just don't try and like recast like, you know, all of a sudden, hey, Tony's alive, but he looks different because, you know, some 1980s soap opera reason, like, oh, he had to have plastic surgery because of this and so now he looks like this person. And apparently his voice box is affected. So he talks completely different too. whatever. Um, As long as they do that, I think it's it's fine. I don't think if anything, I think it would have to be in limited doses. I I, I don't think you can then say, okay, and now this Tony Stark is part of the traditional Marvel universe, because then that does start to undermine it, even if it is from a different multiverse like it's like that's just it becomes weird, you know, especially with that character.
1: Well, and I, and I, I would think- say
0: I would say with like with Tony and with Steve, those are the two yeah. characters that are like you just can't touch because they became right. so iconic. And, right. and of course, that's the, they're different. There are different stories, and then coming up to Civil War, and then just the way everything unfolded in in Infinity War and Endgame. Those are the only <laughs> two. I think you could maybe work it with with some other characters, but you'd have to be very judicious about which one you did and that's it you get like one you get like one yeah that's it
1: yeah no you 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 have to relegate him to a um not not to call him a bit player but but to to relegate him to a a role but not but clearly not the kind of role that that he had in in the first three phases because that that has been done you know you you can't go back to him being the cornerstone because that story has played that arc was was mm-hmm. well done from the 2008, you know, Iron Man all the way through to Endgame. It and as you said, Steve is the is is the other piece to this whole thing. You you don't you don't mess with Captain America either. You you let those no. two characters have their arc. It was a very poetic way to end it, and and they they had that closure. If you want to bring in flavors of them to you know as as part of this you know multiverse where there's different versions bring them in but they are bit players or supporting players i think is really what i want to say they are not
0: it's like a one shot you you know you're only going to see him in this movie and then that's it
1: yeah it it doesn't become a oh he's back it's oh this is a version of of a character that we uh love and and have great affection for and we get to see him in in kind of a uh you know a, a you know, as you said, a, a one take hot shot, whatever you want to call it. Um, I was trying to think of the term from wrestling. You know, when they do the hot tag, but you know that that you know hot shotting sort of thing. Um, you know, j- just to get that moment, just like as you as you correctly said, just like seeing Patrick Stewart. You, you know, re, you know reprising uh, Charles Xavier one more time, uh, or seeing a member of the Fantastic Four in a marvel movie you know there, there are these one shots to use your term that that i think they're they're probably going to play and, and utilize and the multiverse gives them the the pathway and and, and is the doorway for doing that so it'll be uh, interesting to see how that materializes yes indeed and that my
0: friends is the weekend geek all right, sir. Well, thank you so much for your sleuthing around the interwebs, and we're so glad that you didn't stall your scooter on this. Uh, we'll now get into our the heart of our, our episode here, movies of 1999. Now, first, let me address. there. I, in searching for the movies of 1999, for reference material, because we, even though it doesn't seem like it, we do actually prepare for this somewhat. And I found a couple of articles that were saying, uh you know oh and 99 was the greatest movie hollywood's greatest year the greatest year for mm. movies ever yeah let me just ask you without even getting into the the actual content of those articles do you think that it's possible to say that any single year is like the greatest ever or is it really just like that happened to ring your chimes for you know your that like hit the tuning fork of your personal taste
1: Uh, I think it's a little bit of that. And I also think it's a little bit of the zeitgeist and kind of culture at the time, you know, and Mm. and, and I say that because I'm, you know, so as a kid growing up in the eighties, I look at like 84, I mean, really kind of the even numbered years, 84, you know, to some degree, 86, maybe 88 as being Really good, you know, entertainment years. You know, from what I can remember, you know, eighty four being like Ghostbusters mm-hmm. and some of the movies we talked about when we did that show. Eighty six is mm. Back to
0: the Future. Yeah, um, eighty four was was one that was mentioned as like the greatest year ever. Right. Another one,
1: right? Ninety nine. What is interesting, and and I'm I'm going to say this as an adult, so maybe I I just have a weird perspective on it. But the thing I remember about ninety nine, and you correctly pointed this out in in our uh, beginning, is. You know, for you and I, that was like our step into the real world. You know, we we were done in college. Well, I mean... And and we were entering in, and (laughs) it was the apex of... It really was the high point of the dot-com era, so there was a lot of... Money flowing and just a lot of good times and a lot of just, you know, positivity and just kind of, you know, like you were saying just a little bit ago, oh, this will never stop, you know, it'll always continue on and we're going to be yeah. just rolling in money for the rest of our lives. And here we are. Um so, so I think oh, wow. there was I, That
0: D- crashed quick for you Dang. <laughs> oh, I don't mean me I'm just saying like And here we are The man who flies first class everywhere is telling <laughs> us how hard it is Boy, <laughs> I'm
1: so glad for your perspective, sir should I go should I launch into Dusty Rhodes hard time? Never mind. Um anyways, but, <laughs> it's but hard I, I,
0: times. Hard I just times. remember
1: I just remember 99 feeling and and you know, similar to 2001 as well in and oh three, that you you just have like a sequence of like really good movies coming out that just I think it gives the feeling like you know we're we're in this era of just really good movie making at that moment. And and I don't know. You know, if that's necessarily the case, that 99 is one of the greatest years. I mean, there was a lot of quality movies that came out, um, a lot of people still going to the theater to see it and that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I will say I'm probably the wrong person in some ways to ask, because I have a lot of really good memories like you know, in 99, I did my first work trip out to California. That's where I saw The Matrix for the first time in some theater in, you know, basically the desert of California. Um, and, and, you know, and I had nothing better to do. I just wandered into this, you know, I'm like, all right, I'll give this movie a try. No idea what it's about. Fell in love with it. I'm like, this is, probably one of the best sci-fi movies I've ever seen. And then I, that's also where I saw Star Wars, um, you know, I think for the second time um, after uh, dragging you to it and, uh, you know, basically well, introducing- Let's wait on
0: that story for a little later in the list. Indeed, indeed. <laughs>
1: um, among others. And so I just, you know, uh, as we'll talk about, there, there's a lot of movies, American Pie and others that, you know, you just remember being, you know, kind of like iconic and, you it's hard to believe it all happened in one year. So I think some of it is just, yeah, it's like your perception of the year and what kind of went on that year and, and what was going on in the culture at the time and how heavily promoted those things were. So it feels like, um, you know, it was one of the greatest years. But, um, but I don't know. When, when you look at the quality of some of the flicks that came out, I think it was a strong one.
0: Well, yeah, and I think that's the case with most years and and it it always shifts too because there's some of this that gets retroactive and we look at because there's some of those movies in there that uh, and some that are in my list that are that are now movies that are very influential. But when you look at them in the context of what the gross was from that year way down the list, not where I mean not totally not where I would expect it considering how much of an impact it has on pop culture today.
1: Yeah. But I
0: I do, and I I agree. I think there is this weird kind of equation that that you can factor in that when people start talking about that, it's like, okay, I now know if you think that ninety-nine was one of the greatest movies, uh, movie years ever, you are probably between this age and this age. Because it'll it'll reflect in who you were. Sort of like, you know, it's always you know, you talk to people like, oh well, it was always better back in the good old days. And the good old days are always like when they were kind of at their peak or were at yeah. their, their personal happiest and those are the good old days you know as opposed to the fact that now it's like well we don't have to worry about polio you know and there aren't people you know there aren't thousands of people living in iron lungs but yes right. please tell me how back in the day that was so much better <laughs> you know right so right. i mean I, it, all that just to say, like, uh, it, it it's to, it's very subjective, M- much as our lists are going to be, you know, and I don't think that you can objectively say that any any year was like, oh, this is the greatest year ever. It's yeah. it comes down to a lot of like, OK, what's your personal taste and what really set off that tuning for? Because, I mean, if, for someone like for you, like going to see The Matrix was a transcendent experience and really introduced them to like, oh, my gosh, movies yeah. can do this yeah and you you go and ask some filmmakers and they would have a completely different story, and maybe even about a movie that you're like that movie kind of sucks, yeah <laughs> when I watch it, but for them it it caught their imagination and now it has this yeah. it has this golden place in their memory
1: I do want to say i i I do think to your point with it being subjective that age comes into play with it as well because that phase of our lives we were still um very closely connected i think to popular culture and and not that we're so distant from it now but but it isn't a priority for us you know what i mean like and i'll just speak for myself like you know a lot of my childhood into the teen years into my early 20s there was a place for music film and tv and and there was always there was always a presence there with it you know what i mean and there Mm -hmm. still is a presence now as well but it's it's it, it, it isn't the same intensity and priority that it was back when I was younger. You know what I mean? Like, like I think because yep. you have more free time, you know, and, and you, you are able to, you know, invest in doing, you know, some of these more fun things that, that you can be more heavily invested in it, you know, as opposed to when you become more, of an adult and get, you know, uh, immersed in work that maybe you're passionate about, that tends to be the thing that you then invest most of your time into because you're, it's not just work, it's something you're interested in, you're, you know, potentially building something into something greater, you know? And so, um, so I do think that plays into the subjectivity as well as just where you are, you know, age-wise and, and how tied into the culture you are. Because quite honestly, now, if you ask me what the best movies this year were, I couldn't tell you, I mean, I barely can remember what I went to the movie theater to see two months ago, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and for my sons, I'm wondering too, like what their experience is because with streaming and just all of the platforms now that they have, it's like, I don't know that there's a, you know, 2022 is this great year because of this movie, you know, or these movies, because Mm -hmm. it just, and maybe that's not fair because post COVID there's still kind of weirdness going on in the movie industry due to the pandemic. And so, um, you know, the time we live in now is very strange as well. Um, but, but I, I just feel like there's maybe a difference now that digitally there's way more at people's fingertips than there was, you know, 30 years ago.
0: Right on, right on. I would agree. The professor has spoken. All right. Well, now that we've gotten that dissertation out of the way, um, we're going to go through here. And what we basically picked is uh, we have some surprises, which are just kind of uh, weird oddball or things that caught our eye or just things that might be a little off the beaten track that uh, wouldn't be uh, normal picks for us. We then have special mentions, uh, two of those that didn't quite make it into our top five honorable mentions, if you will. And then we have our top five, Movies Now, normally this works out to a a, to a nice even top 10, if you will, Mm -hmm. or an uneven top 10, since the the bottom three are kind of these weird movies anyways. But uh, the man they call Tim had to goof all that up by picking four surprises, forcing me to also pick four surprises. So now we're we're in a top 11 situation, which I I guess is good because at least David Letterman's people aren't going to sue our asses. So we have that (laughs) going for us. Always so we're going to start off with these surprises, uh, from the home office, from the home office in, uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, wherever, mm-hmm. whatever town in Indiana that he always said. Um, so why don't you start off with your number four surprise, number four out of three of our <laughs> surprises, <laughs> number four out of three. Yeah. Uh, let me,
1: uh, I, I, plugged in the wrong one. I did number one as opposed to number four, uh, into the imdb machine uh, ah, I with, uh I this this kind of caught my eye uh simon says starring <laughs> the the ultimate thespian of the 90s dennis rodman ladies and gentlemen uh and not just him but co-starring with the one and only the effervescent dane cook
0: uh now i didn't think that dennis rodman could be made out to be like the nice guy in any scenario like the one that I would be rooting for but you match him up against Dane Cook I'm like oh F that other guy yeah Rodman all the way
1: yeah (laughs) I love the IMDB rating 2.6 out of 10 (laughs) that's gonna leave a mark
0: ladies and gentlemen damn It's is gonna leave a mark what's a what's a really crappy movie like what what do you what would you consider one of the worst movies you've ever seen
1: oh wow um one of the worst Yes. Uh, on the spot, jeez, Louise, what did I see? That was awful. Um,
0: Besides the Phantom Menace.
1: Come on, that was good. Um, okay, <laughs> I don't actually,
0: know. I, I'll go with one here. Let's go, go with ahead. Showgirls. Okay, All right? so okay. I'm gonna look that one up, and oh, for crying out loud, I gotta fr- go figure. I get I'm I'm looking up I'm looking up Showgirls, like an NC-17 movie, and what do I get? An advertisement for Minions. <laughs> wow <laughs> talk about knowing your audience those are two um, ends
1: of the spectrum i'll say that okay much. so
0: ladies and gentlemen uh <laughs> the imdb rating for showgirls yes showgirls ladies and gentlemen elizabeth berkeley um the joe esterhouse penned directed by paul verhoven elizabeth berkeley vehicle with uh kyle mclaughlin and Uh, of dune right that was the dude who played uh, Ah, yes yes paul atreides and gina gershon ladies and gentlemen that has a imdb rating of 4.9 oh wow compared to compared to simon says is 2.6 so by relative rating simon says is really
1: bad oh my gosh it's so bad
0: so here's an interesting piece of trivia though
1: Uh, They didn't even release it
0: on DVD, even though that was a thing then. They just went straight to VHS to make sure even fewer people (laughs) would see it.
1: Uh, Interesting piece of trivia. Dane Cook replaced friend of the show, Robert Downey Jr. Because Downey dropped out and they needed someone within a
0: few days. Oh my gosh, that's a bullet dodge right there for RDJ, isn't it?
1: How funny is that? That he could have been a part of this wonderful oh. piece of garbage uh um, oh. wow what was
0: robert downey jr doing at that, that point in his career let me let me look that one up no idea so that was like so we're talking uh 99 oh for crying out, loud. i do not like the new imdb I, interface I will read the one
1: line synopsis while you look that up basketball superstar dennis rodman stars as a hip interpol agent because you know If you're an Interpol agent, you're hip if you're nothing else. Uh, Attempting to defeat the deadly plans of a crazed arms dealer. It's always the arms dealer. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that is, uh, that's something else right there, my friend. Okay, so
0: so Robert Downey Jr. had just come off of the huge hit that was U.S. Marshals, the Fugitive sequel. Ah, yes. And uh, he was in a movie called In Dreams, and then another movie, uh, Friends and Lovers. And then he was in Bowfinger wow the eddie murphy vehicle nice now granted of course this was probably you know filmed in 98 or something so i mean he was only in one other movie gingerbread man uh in u.s marshals in 98 so i mean it wasn't he was not in i believe this is one of his first comebacks uh this was quite a while after wow quite a while yeah. after anything Ooh. that was a that was definitely a, a low point for for rdj but oh my gosh yep horrible
1: horrible that's that's my number four do you want me to keep going or did you want to do your number how how are we doing this
0: uh well my number four is uh for love of the game so this is a one of uh, a friend of the show uh, king of the sports flicks kevin costner uh to me just a great baseball flick and i i so appreciate the fact that we get um we get john c riley uh no i might get i'm getting his name wrong i didn't pull up this when I could have, um, where is he? No, John C. Riley. I got it yeah. right. What am I, what right. am I so worried about? You got it um, right. But yeah, playing a, g- a great part. I just, I, and Brian Cox, of course, JK Simmons, uh, Kelly Preston playing the love interest. I mean, great kind of great cast, you know, and it's, it's definitely more in the direction of a, of a uh, quote unquote chick flick, but, it's just a fun watch, you know, yeah, it's a yeah. great watch. Like if you if you want to split the difference between like a romantic comedy and a sports flick. So it's something and find something that like you and and someone who if you're into sports flicks and they like romantic comedies. Hey, you can watch this or vice versa. You know, you can kind of split the difference between the two. And I I kind of enjoyed the flick. And uh, actually, I, I must have enjoyed the flick. I think I've got it on DVD now that I'm thinking about it. But uh, but not I mean, a surprise in that, like, yeah, this is a flick that I want to buy because, hey, it's always good and I can throw it on there. And me and my, uh, you know, Mrs. Uncle Todd can watch this and and she's somewhat tolerant of it. And there's enough, you know, humor and it's kind of something for everyone. It's a three ring circus method of filmmaking, you know, um, nice. sort of like and again, this, this is a kind of a movie that uh, Kevin Costner pioneered with like a bull Durham field of dreams, like being able to like pull in the the sports fans, but then also pull in the romantic comedy and drama fans. And and everyone kind of goes, okay, fine. We'll all watch this movie, but we're not going to, we're not agreeing on anything else. Um. So, but yeah, pretty good flick. Good watch. Good nice. watch. I bet it's nice. rated higher than showgirls. So I'll, and I, I, damn sure i ready to bet it. The Simon says, so <laughs> we're already there. <laughs> Very so nice. So, what's your uh, number three surprise?
1: Very, well, actually, and real quick, I don't know if you just said this, uh, or, or I don't think I heard you say this. Why is it a surprise for you?
0: Well, okay. So here's the thing: um, the, my surprises are are basically just a continuation. I didn't find... Okay. None of these were really all that surprising. I just so, needed more space. So it's not spaces. that this was a
1: curveball, get the pun, um, ah. that, that you noticed this in the list for 90... Like, like you thought it was like 01 and it was 99. It's nothing like that. It's just this is a continuation of your top 10.
0: Kind of. But it's also okay. because okay. I, I really didn't expect to enjoy enjoy it as much as I did. All right. I was like, oh, I think, think this will be a good flick for me and the wife to watch. And then... Watching it, I'm like, because I, I I didn't see this movie in the theater, all so right. this was definitely a DVD rental, or this was like I bought it for you know whatever used or in discount bin, and was like, all right, sure, let's just grab this, mm-hmm. and then like, hey, I actually like this flick, nice.
1: So mine are actually like I saw the list, and I'm like, oh whoa, you know there there's something surprising with mine, so I'll I'll mm. I'll make sure I emphasize that when I uh, do oh mine. okay. All right, so I'm going to do my number three. Yes, sir. All right, number three is actually two movies, not just one, two movies. Oh, see, now it's like a,
0: now you've got five out of three. For God's sake, dude, can't you follow directions?
1: You know, it's, it's, it's hard to pick a winner. Um, but uh, here we go. Yeah, uh, just
0: go ahead and ask my wife. She'll agree with you on that.
1: Huh? <laughs> oh, come on now. Hey-oh! hey Nin- 1999, uh, Uncle Todd mentioned Y2K. There was a lot of uh, end-of-the-world sort of vibes and feelings going on at, the, yep. at that time. And, you know, Hollywood, or at least lower echelon Hollywood, decided to capitalize <laughs> on that.
0: I love how you put that lower (laughs) echelon instead of just like (laughs) D-list.
1: The Omega Code and Revelation, two movies uh, both dealing with the biblical events leading to the end of the world. Oh, Um, goody. Yeah, I I put these two down just because uh, I have a memory of uh, back in the day when you had the old uh, cable box from uh, from the cable company and you were flipping around and you got to that channel where there was like previews of movies. And I remember seeing uh, Michael York, who plays one of the characters in this movie, Stone Alexander. I think he's playing the Antichrist.
0: Uh, oh, wait a minute, explaining- his name is Stone Alexander. Stone really? Alexander, ladies and gentlemen. My uh, gosh, that's like a, that's, almost, that's a borderline porn name, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the cable repairman. My name is Stone Alexander. But- I I remember watching this
1: movie preview channel where he's talking about the movie and the funniest thing about it and why it burns into my brain is he's talking about this brand new or not brand new, but this great technology in movie making called green screen.
0: Oh, Which I'm geez. like,
1: I don't think green screen is as new as you might think it is. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't
0: in 1999. Oh, oh. It had been a thing for a while.
1: So poor Michael York, I think, was was fancying himself a bit of a, a you know, cutting edge sort of entertainer uh, with this with this nice. movie, um, probably just pulling at whatever straws he could to make the Omega Code sound, you know, somewhat worth going to see.
0: But, he, didn't, he was basically saying anything to avoid, like, listen, I had an alimony payment due and the phone rang. All right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but Michael York is in
1: it. Casper uh, Van Dien, uh, you know, he, he is a uh, actor who is uh, very familiar with some of the lower echelon straight to video sort of uh, movies. Uh, wow. Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside. Um, what? Uh, it was in this as well, believe it or not. Um, so yeah, so just kind of a, uh, kooky, uh, end of the world, biblical, uh, you know, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria sort of movie. Uh, and then we were, jump over to revelation, which is, uh, apparently, uh, a sequel to a movie called apocalypse caught in the eye of the storm from 1998. Of course, that was a real big seller, uh, with Jeff <laughs> Fahey nick mancuso and uh carol alt as the uh, kind of draws on this one uh once again uh the synopsis reads thusly uh police officer in search for answers the rolled stone i don't know what it is about stone in these, <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> these end of the world you know bible uh, bible movies excuse but, uh, me are you the plumber <laughs> Joins a rebel group of Christians to thwart the antichrist plan to use virtual reality to solidify its power. Good God. I actually need to see this because how on earth does someone use virtual reality to solidify their power? I'm not quite sure. I
0: don't know. You're going to have to talk to Mark Zuckerberg about that one.
1: Yeah. You know, he's still working on the metaverse, but
0: yeah, all right. Yeah.
1: Anyways. Uh, so that's my number three. I was just, uh, surprised that there were not one, but two movies dealing with this sort of uh, topic. And, uh, Found it kind of humorous. So uh, that is my number three uh, 2 Bible uh, based end of the world movies, Omega Code and Revelation. Right what is on. your number three, sir? Uh,
0: I went with Mystery Alaska, keeping it kind of sports related here in these surprises. Very um, nice. And this one, <sighs> I guess I was kind of surprised with just how much heart this movie had, because I was I was not expecting a lot out of this movie. Um, and I don't think a lot of people even expected this movie because this one did not exactly set the box office on fire for sure. Um, but the, Russell Crowe does a does a pretty damn good job of playing his part. I love the fact that we get a Michael Myers like totally uncredited cameo playing like the sleazy hockey announcer. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole the whole concept of like you know getting the new york rangers to come play an exhibition game up in mystery alaska and the whole thing is is kind of cheesy but also it's it's just novel enough you know because you don't really see a ton of hockey movies so it's sort of like all right cool and damn it it ended up being kind of good i mean really good for me i i again the one that i i own and i enjoyed quite a bit and it was a little surprising but at the same time i you know it's Oh, good old hockey flick. Let's, let's go see the hockey. Very nice. So that's my number three. What do you got for number two, sir?
1: So my number two is a surprise because I didn't realize it came out in 99. And I say that because this was a, a favorite of, uh, my sons when they were in their, you know, three to six year old range. Um, they, they loved this movie and, you know, we still like to watch Mm -hmm. it, but of course you, you watch it more frequently, uh, when they're younger.
0: Um, oh yes, you do. Back to back to back, sometimes.
1: Uh huh. But the Iron Giant, uh, mm, a, a movie that has brought many uh, uh, an adult man to tears uh, because of of the story and the heart. Uh, Behind the story, a young boy befriends a giant robot from outer space that a paranoid government agent, because there always is one, wants to destroy. Um, This this cast is pretty impressive. Harry Connick, Jr., Jennifer Aniston, Vin Diesel, uh, Cloris Leachman, John Mahoney. Uh, Just a lot of really uh, big names for this movie, but it it was a a quality movie, uh, high rating, uh, 8.1 IMDb rating. Uh, But uh, yeah, this is more of a sentimental pick of mine uh, because it is a favorite of of my son's. And, uh, you know, we, uh, as, as, uh, you know, thinking back to them watching this and then we uh during our vacation we watched uh ted lasso with them and there is a reference to the iron giant and ted lasso at one point and it was pretty funny and uh uh so it was kind of like full circle moment you know with 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 the kids and and just remembering that so this is more of a sentimental pick of mine uh from a surprise perspective more than anything but very uh just very surprised to see it was this year and not early 2000s uh so that is uh my number two
0: very nice and I have a feeling we might be talking about that flick a little later in the countdown very nice uh, for me uh, number two uh, again uh, it's a it's a threesome of uh, sports movies here with varsity blues
1: <laughs> was that the right term to use given your your, your, your ability really. to pick given, some of these
0: films <laughs> and and, and given, given the nature of some of the content of varsity blues also a very unfortunate choice of words on my part <laughs> I will admit to that <laughs> um, But I mean, come on. Varsity Blues is just it, again, it is an underdog story and it's kind of it so unfolds as like what high school kids would write as a fictional story. Like, the fact that you have all of this just outrageous stuff happening, the whipped cream bikini, the whole thing, and then the coach quitting at halftime, and then the, the one of the students taking over play calling and the backup quarterback and winning the, winning the championship and all that, it's like, it's such like a high school fantasy sort of thing that I was just like, yeah, totally, you know? Mm-hmm um a little bit surprising because i did like much like you i kind of forgot this movie came out in 99 there was there was a lot of movies that as i was going through i'm like oh wow really that year okay cool um but yeah varsity blues it's it's it gets a lot off of the the rewatch factor you know because you can rewatch it because it It's not that deep. And, you know, the thing is, that's not a slight against it. It doesn't pretend it doesn't have to be deep and it doesn't pretend to be deep. It gets just deep enough to get the point across, you know, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel like it's ever trying to overstep its bounds and go to go into this place of where it doesn't deserve to be like everything because it and I, I say that even with the fact that you have like, you know. Billy Bob threatening to shoot himself and, 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 and this other stuff, it's like, again, because it is that it is a story that is kind of written by a high schooler almost like it feels like that kind of world, like, yes, everything is amplified and it all kind of fits into this, into this thing and it works, you know, for all, all of the things that could go wrong or that you could cite about it that are like, that's totally just BS. Like, no yeah. it still works like somehow like it defies the laws of physics um and so for that i'll i'll definitely include it on the list because i've rewatched this flick so many times when it's been like eh, nothing else to do and i'm just flipping through the dvds like oh hey i haven't watched this in a while pop that in all right that's a you know an hour and 45 minutes whatever it is like nice. Eh, all right cool something to do nice so, what is your uh, your number one surprise?
1: Number one surprise uh, on two levels: one that it came out in '99, and two that it was even made to begin with was "Superstar," uh, the SNL Mary Catherine Gallagher uh, character movie, played by Oof. Molly Shannon. Uh, I didn't—I totally forgot they made a movie about this character. I just thought this was an SNL, you know, character that. You know, grew in popularity and uh, didn't realize that it was turned into a movie. Uh, Will Ferrell is also uh, in this movie as well. Uh, oh, my and, gosh. Then, can't say there's a whole lot more in terms of uh, big name actors. Uh, Tom Green uh, is in it. Oh, if that's uh, but, a big name
0: actor you're going after, we're in real trouble.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, this one got a 5.1 IMDb rating, so a little bit above uh, Showgirls. Uh, didn't right. didn't sink beneath the Showgirls bar. So, um, but yeah, that was my number one surprise. I was uh, really shocked that this was even made into a film. Um, you know, some of these characters are funny in like a five minute sketch. I, I just don't know if they transcend sometimes in, into a full length movie. But I, I suppose yeah. when. Uh, the pop culture wave is cresting. You try to cash in as quickly as possible. So that probably was what this was.
0: Do you ever wonder if Lauren Michaels wishes he had all the money he spent on some of these movies back? Like just between this one and like night at the Roxbury, do you think that he just wishes he had that money back? He's like, you know what? I wouldn't have to continue making this payment. I wouldn't have to deal with this. My children wouldn't have student loan or, you know, whatever. Like, I just wish I had that money back and it somewhat had been like, you know, Lauren, please stop like snorting coke and mm-hmm. and greenlighting these movies. I don't know yes. if Lauren Michaels snorted coke or anything like that. I'm, I don't I want anyone He's going. Got at some
1: that. He's got to some not, regrets.
0: I'm not. Well, if if anybody has a if anybody wants to file suit, that was the man they called Tim. Uh, that wasn't me that said that. <laughs> I've got a new house and a mortgage I got to take care <laughs> of. I can't have no lawsuits <laughs> coming after me. <laughs> because lauren michaels would be like oh yeah i'll get that superstar money back out of your ass that's how i'm gonna get it back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway my number one uh surprise and this is surprising because i was shocked how much i actually enjoyed this movie and uh i was again i had no recollection of this movie coming out in 99 but notting hill the julia uh-huh. roberts vehicle uh julia roberts and hugh grant vehicle pardon me and uh then that other dude the welsh dude who was in the replacements as the re- as the roommate, um, I did not expect to enjoy this movie the way that I did, and uh, I remember seeing it because um, uh, a girlfriend was a big Julia Roberts fan, and I watched it. I'm like, huh this isn't horrible, and have watched it a couple of times since then. And hey, you know, it's I, I was shocked that I I kind of liked it as much as I did, as uh, enough to watch it multiple times, uh, and not being like held at gunpoint uh, to do so so yeah that's a that's kind of my top surprise and just sort nice. of break up the the sports movies as well to throw in like a julia roberts movie just to completely mess with things
1: i will say it it it, it is a cool feeling when you see a movie that you don't really have a lot of expectations for. Not, not that you're expecting it to be bad. It's just, you don't know what to expect and you go into it and you're like, wow, that was really good. And I didn't expect it to be that good.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. And part of it has to do with the fact that when you see an, when when the actress performance, like the actress performance can give it away. Like if someone is just so obviously mailing it in, like they are, They're doing it solely for a paycheck. And then you can kind of tell when somebody is being just professional. And then you kind of get a glimpse sometimes of like, I think that this person actually believed in this movie a lot. Like they really seem to be putting a lot into it. Like the performance kind of, even if it's not a great movie, you're like that person just gave me everything they got on that. And that's kind of, that can kind of carry it up over the edge. And I really feel like the people who are in this movie, like there's a lot of, of really good performances, not just by you know, I think Julia Roberts was good in it. I think Hugh Grant was good in it, but yeah, you know, Hugh Grant was basically playing the same character he does in like every movie uh back during that time. Um, but you show up on set and they're just like, just just do your thing. Well, he's <laughs> he's turned against type in the last few years. Like he's really done some different roles, like in uh in the Gentleman, like a totally different character mm-hmm. than what he did kind of in like his prime, like rom com era but a lot of the other the more minor characters really just shine and i'm like right. wow even though you're only in that for a few minutes like i really feel like i got a performance um so i think that helps it a little bit too I, it actually kind of feels like the people making the movie were like yes this is a this is a a, a good endeavor you know and that doesn't happen yeah. all the time in movies you know this yeah. is definitely sometimes you're like oh this person was doing it for alimony movie uh money <laughs> um or whatever, you know. So yeah, a little bit surprising on that one. Which now gets us into these special mentions. These are the runners up, the honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. And we have we actually uh the man they call Tim actually stuck to two this time. So that's good. Uh so what is your number 2 out of your two special mentions? Uh
1: my number 2 is and, and this is in some ways similar to your Notting Hill experience where you kind of went into it or, or like what I just described, you go into it not knowing what to expect and you're like, wow, that was a really good movie. Um, I remember, um, I think, yeah, I, th- I, I think my wife had this movie and um I had never seen it before. And it was just like one of those things. It's like one night I'm just looking for something to watch and I'm like, Oh, this looks interesting. Let's pop this in. Um, and I had never seen it and really enjoyed it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of a dazed and confused sort of approach to a movie where it's like, it's this kind of running narrative across like an evening, um, with all of these different characters intersecting and interacting. And, um, it, you know, the, the one line synopsis on IMDb is the aftermath of a drug deal is told from three different points of view. Um, uh, and so it, it has that kind of storytelling mechanism to it. It is um, just really funny uh, and and just kind of a goofball movie um, to to watch, but but has has a story to it. Um, so uh, it's, the cast is is you know somewhat deep in in terms of the uh, uh, the players involved: Jay Moore, Sarah Pauly, Scott Wolf, Tay Diggs, uh, Tim- Timothy Oliphant, um, before he was a big name. Um, and, uh, let me see. Oh, and, and one of the guys, Desmond Askew, I don't think he became very popular. Um, did I say Katie Holmes? I think I said that. No, you, yeah.
0: you left out Katie Holmes. Katie
1: Holmes was in it. Um, Desmond Askew is, is a real funny, uh, British character in it. And so, um, yeah, so just overall, just, just a, a, you know, just kind of a very fun, uh, flick with, with a, a interesting narrative tool where it's telling that, you know, story from different points of view and kind of concluding it, um, and, in in, a, in very much a, uh, like I said, in, in that dazed and confused kind of style where, where you're starting, you know, kind of late afternoon going into, you know, the next day, early morning and, you know, the characters kind of resolving things and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, th- this is kind of a, probably what would be considered a deep cut, but at the same time, uh, IMDB rating 7.2. So well out of the showgirls zone. Uh, it is, uh, it, it is a fun flick. Check it out. If you haven't seen it, movies go. What is your number? Well
0: two? done. Well, actually I just want to point out one other thing. Uh, the writer of this movie is one half of the uh script notes podcast team uh john august along with uh craig mazin so john august was the writer of go so that's i was trying to remember because as as i'm looking at that movie i'm like i remember this movie for some reason because i've never seen it i've never seen this flick Mm -hmm. and and i'm like but i i've i know of this movie and that was how nice Nice. I'm glad I was able to loop that all the way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, my number 2 uh special mention goes to American Pie. Uh because to me this was kind of like the comeback of like the the Porkies kind of
1: it's <laughs> like a good
0: yes. <laughs> sexually driven comedy, you know, from the, the early eighties or whenever the hell they made porkies. I don't remember. But it was it was it was sort of like our generation's porkies where, you know, and we were probably we were past that point of being in high school at that time, but mm-hmm. it was it sort of like made sense still. Like we're just at the very end of like when that kind of still is like, oh yeah. Yeah. And of course, yeah. you know, being a band geek, of course, the you know, this one time at band camp mm-hmm. was just a thing then. Like now it's just it's everywhere. Um and uh and you know, it was it was legit funny. It was it was a movie very much of its time. You try to make that movie today, and oh my dear lord, no, it's just not happening. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh it, you know at the time it was it was funny and it was it was rewatchable although i haven't i can't say that i've rewatched it in the past 18 years maybe mm-hmm. i don't i don't know how long it's been since i've seen this flick but you know it's it, it, it's it has clear. a shelf life to it you know what i mean yeah. like
1: it's it's not something you can go back to and it's it's definitely probably for us we were at the right phase of life Mm. you know, for just being freshly kind of out of high school and college or, or almost being out of college and still being able to relate to it. But looking back now, it's like, I, you know, I, I probably relate more to the, uh, you know, to, to to the father, um, uh, to the Eugene Levy Eugene character Levy. Yeah. Than, than I do anything else. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That happens. But I mean, uh, the cast here, I mean, you, so Jason Biggs kind of uh, was one of those, one of those people you're like, oh, and this is going to be someone who's like, gonna go on to greater you know bigger and better things and kind of didn't um oh yeah shannon shannon elizabeth uh wound up you know having herself a, a pretty good career mm-hmm. starting with this movie mm-hmm. the, the aforementioned G, uh, eugene levy allison hannigan probably like the breakout star of this flick actually mm-hmm. no because uh uh well you had tara reed in it but sean williams scott mm-hmm. uh, and then um eddie k thomas was in this uh, who else was it? Well, there? Was another dude who was in this that I can't remember which one, he, which dude it was. Anyways, but yeah, Allison Hannigan, probably Sean Williams, Scott, and Tara Reed was it was probably the three out of this that really got some serious mileage. Of course, now I I just read, I can't remember where I found it. It was probably on Reddit. Someone can sleuth this up. But Jennifer Coolidge, who played Stifler's mom and who is credited as mm-hmm. Stifler's mom, like it's not like blah, 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 Stifler. No, no, it's just Stifler's mom. <laughs> Claims that she was able to bed so many dudes just by being Stifler's mom. Like that's mm. like was interviewed about. It was like, oh, yeah, I got so many younger dudes because mm. I was Stifler's mom. I'm like, well, at least you're being honest, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> whatever i mean uh, hey i maybe your residuals for the movie aren't all that good but you're like hey they were fringe benefits um, there, you there you go but yeah just uh it was one of those flicks that at the time was like yes this is kind of totally in the in the wheelhouse of where i was at that moment um what's your uh next special mention sir
1: uh so my next special mention uh one that just missed the top five this was a tough one because there's a lot a lot of good flicks from 99 but uh had to bear mentioning because of of you know, just the, the impact of it was the sixth sense. Um, and, and I say impact because it was M night Shyamalan's first, you know, big hit. Um, and really Mm -hmm. for the movie audience, the first, you know, I, I don't mean to say the first introduction to, to having such a major twist in a movie like that, but the way he, he told that story and the way he felt it was filmed and everything about it, you, you had to have spoilers to go into that movie saying, Oh, I knew this was how it was going to end because yeah. it, it was just that rare moment, that lightning in a bottle kind of moment where he just got everything right about the storytelling, the fil- the, the, um, the filmography of it, um, where you honestly didn't know what ended up being the truth revealed at the end about it until that happened. And it really kind of blew you away um, and, and, and that's not something that you can replicate all of the time as evidenced by his career, because he became yeah. from that point forward, you know, he, he, he made several other movies, but it became the gimmick, which is what is the twist going to be? Yes. You know? um, and, and, and that unfortunately I think took away from, you know, I, I, I really feel like deep down he is a very good storyteller and filmmaker. I think he got unfortunately saddled with the gimmick and and if he didn't do it it would be he would be judged against the prior work that he did and say well this wasn't as good as that but when he does it he, he gets also flogged for doing it because well now he's just doing the same thing so i feel like he's almost like a victim at, at points of of movie fans as as a general population because Um, you know, not saying there isn't merit to, you know, the quality of some of the movies he made after it, but it just seemed to be like he lived and died by that. And, and unfortunately, um... You know that that just became kind of a you know a thing for him for a long time, um, but this movie was really just such a breakout hit, and and I, I had to put it as a special mention because um, the movies I put as, as top five were were that because of of the quality and and just what what they meant to me. This one was a big one, had to put it in special mention. So the Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis, Haley Joel Osmond, Tony Collette, um, just a great cast overall. Uh, Donnie Wahlberg was in the movie. Uh, I'm just trying to just look through Misha Barton. Uh, you know, who she she became big in the two thousands. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, just just a just a great movie. Nominated for six Oscars and an 8.2 IMDB rating. So not showgirls uh worthy.
0: No, definitely not. I and and I just want to point out, here is where I need to point out that I blatantly have used uh the Man They Call Tim's list in order to exclude certain films from my list but still get to talk about them. So it actually gave me an extra like couple spots, um, because I have thoughts on the sixth sense and I would, I would disagree with you that, uh, M night, uh, how do you, I can never pronounce it. Shyamalan. I don't know why I make that more complex than it needs to be. I always want to add in an extra syllable or something. And, uh, it trips me up every single fracking time. Um, I don't feel like he got saddled with a gimmick. He saddled himself with a gimmick. Either that or mm. that is just his proclivity. Like he thinks mm-hmm. that that is how a movie has to be or that's how he has to make his movies. I don't think anyone saddled him with that. I think that's yeah. that's been his own th- way of crippling himself. Yeah. Like he is, he is kind of uh, not even crippled. I want to say that. Uh, it's almost like hobbled himself. Because yeah, he can still tell a story, but you're, because of the way he, he tells his stories, you, now, you know, you know exactly what's going to happen. It's the John Cena five moves of doom. You know exactly what's going to happen. As soon as the first one happens, okay, this is what we're heading towards. Yeah. Right. Right. And that totally doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I will say I, I was totally blown away by this the first time I saw it. And that's the only time I've seen it because I, now I, I don't. The difference being between, uh, let's go with two different, uh, a movie somewhat similar, uh, The Usual Suspects. I've rewatched that movie several times. Even though like i I know the twist. I know the thing that's going to change the whole movie at the end. That changes your entire perspective and makes you go, what the bleep? The Sixth Sense for me just didn't have enough other stuff besides the twist to make me go back and watch it mm-hmm. again. And that's neither here nor there. It just might not be my particular, you know, m- brand of cake or whatever. It's fine. I, I'm not saying that and now it's objectively it's horrible and no one should ever see it. For for my taste, it just never made me want to go back and see it. Yeah. But that's yeah. all.
1: Well and 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 when you go watch it in a you know for multi you know for another viewing you're watching it in a totally different way because you're trying to look now for clues of how did he pull it off? You know what I mean? Like, like that's happened to me when it's been on TV. Like I'm watching it like, okay, I'm going to watch this closely now because during the movie, you think that Bruce Willis and Haley, Joe Osman are, or or that he's interacting with the people in the room that Haley, Joe Osman's character sees. And so it's funny to watch it again and kind of see the trickery that goes on where you begin to realize, okay, I thought he was in the same room, or I thought that there's this, you know, this this um, acknowledgement by the living character in the room that he's there, but that it's it's little cues that kind of tell you where it all went, kind of, you know, in 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 the direction it did, and and so you're watching it more as like a puzzle activity than it is really watching a movie or a second time.
0: Yeah, and I can totally get that. It just it didn't quite strike me enough to want to watch it that way.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying that's the problem with it. It's like once it pays off, it's like you don't want to go back and really watch it again because you're watching it for the wrong reason. You know what I mean?
0: Well, even even so, like I'm fine. I was fine doing that with The Usual Suspects and and mm-hmm. playing detective and being okay. Well, now, what did I miss? Oh, there's that thing. For whatever reason, I just never wanted to do that with The Sixth Sense. And I'm yeah. the person who. I'm I'm the trivia dude for movies. I'm, I I want to see all the inner workings. I want to I want to see like where were the rivets? Where did you have to put the duct tape? What mm-hmm. you know? What's being held together with twine? Never had an urge to do that with this movie. I don't know why, but
1: yeah, interesting. What was yours? What was your number
0: for? one? I uh, had to go with Office Space. Ah, uh, there
1: it is. Someone had to
0: mention it. the 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 thing is, like I I did not see this movie in the theater. And I started watching it once, not that long after it came out and stopped watching it. Cause I'm like, this is so stupid and boring. Like, I don't want to watch this movie. It's dumb. And, uh, like, even though I'd rented it from like the video store, cause that was a thing back in the day when, you know, dinosaur, I, I got on my Brontosaurus and I wrote it to blockbuster to see, to see what the new releases were. Um, and, I couldn't even force myself to watch it for like the $2 that I spent on it. And it wasn't until I'd actually had a job in an office and I watched it then. I'm like, Oh my God, it makes sense now. Yeah. I get it. Because before that I'd never had a job like that. I would never had a job where I was, um, you know, I was in an office environment and dealing with people on that professional level. I had jobs in fast food. I had jobs in, um in warehouses, I had jobs, you know, in those sort of things. Like office world was so foreign to me, I didn't get it. And then then all of a sudden I was working in an office and I watched this movie. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know these people now. Holy crap. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And everything took on new meaning. And then now now the movie is just like, oh yes, yes, this is very much, this is very much this part of my life. And and yes, I knew some of these people. I I I knew people who were kind of like the Bobs. okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, so uh, and again, another movie that it's one of those movies that in if you look at the box office from that year and how influential office space is in our kind of culture, not in an uh, in a like in your face sort of way, but it's there here and there and you know in our yeah. culture to this day didn't make a whole lot of movie uh, a whole lot of money that year. Mm. It was not one of the top-rated movies of the year or anything like that. It's it but it it has had some staying power. Yep. Definition of a cult hit, my friend. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, so here we are. We are now at the top 5. Ding, what is your ding. Exactly. What is your number 5 top movie of 1999?
1: Uh, I'm going to start off with, uh, probably a, a unconventional pick, but a pick that I, I really enjoyed. And I've actually watched this movie a couple times just cause it's, it's just, you know, a lot of, I don't want to say it's a lot of, it, it's fun to watch cause it's about, you know, a comedian and his life, but it's, but it also has a lot of heart to it as well. And, and kind of peeling the layers back on, on, you know, the life of, of Andy Kaufman. But, uh, I chose the movie man on the moon. Um, and uh really enjoyed uh you know jim carrey's portrayal of of andy kaufman uh andy kaufman uh, also as tony clifton um and mm-hmm. uh l- you know a lot of big names in this danny devito um as well uh richard Belzer. uh belzer sorry um and uh yeah just just a a you know telling of the life of andy kaufman and just you know his his whole uh role as being kind of this comedian who is is a provocateur you know really when you get down to it um and and how he you know kind of made uh you know his his uh you know made his name and made his career you know playing uh obviously um you know iconic characters like you know is it Latka on taxi i think right Yes. Yeah. Playing Latka on Taxi, who, you know, is a very quiet and very, you know, kind of laid back kind of character. And then, you know, but just seeing like all the ways that he would in his comedy really try to find ways to fool his audience and to provoke them and to, you know, kind of really pull a reaction in, in a lot of ways, you know, you come to find out too, you you know, that I think there there was probably that influence from pro wrestling on him, you know, that, that whole idea of it's, it's, it doesn't matter if they cheer or boo, it's the fact you get a reaction out of the crowd, you know, it's a a John Cena mentality, Um, you know, that, that, whether they love me or hate me, I just want them making noise. And, um, and so, uh, so just, just enjoyed it. And, 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 and as you know those of those of us who know uh, Andy's story in terms of of his life you know you know dealing with cancer and and how that took his life uh, you know at the end um, you know very sad and that's kind of the the dramatic part of it but it, it was just it, I thought it was a great story with heart that just kind of uh, you know told that story of his life and and who he was as a comedian and how he just kind of uh, uh, you know to use Robin Williams uh, slang from one of his uh, one of his stand-ups you know went full tilt but so, uh, yep. you know what I mean. So, uh, yeah, and you know the standup I'm referring to, right? Oh
0: yeah, yes.
1: <laughs> so, yes. Uh,
0: Man on the Moon is my number five, sir. And an addendum to that is, I think it's it's either Netflix or Amazon Prime. There is a documentary that was pieced together from like behind the scenes footage that Jim Carrey has had for like the past twenty some odd years about this movie and he talks about it um gosh i can't remember which it is right now and i'm too lazy to look it up but uh if you uh, i think it's and i think it's called man on the moon
1: mm.
0: oh so originally or becoming or no i think it's becoming andy or something like that and he talks about in in present day like what he was going for and and kind of pulls back the curtain on the filming of that and a little bit about Andy Kaufman and all that. And it's, it's very interesting. Um, and that was a great flick too. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, a, a worthy inclusion in your top five, sir.
1: Thank you. How about you? What is your number five, sir?
0: My number five is the iron giant. Nice. Uh, I I love this movie, um, and I was was so great to watch it with my daughter. And like you said, it it will make a grown man cry, which it shouldn't – that should be less of a metric these days. It really ought to be because, you know, it shouldn't be this thing like, uh, you know, begrudgingly crying and this and that. But it it does take you to this emotional place. And if it doesn't, like, you know, you you might want to, like (laughs) – you might want to check your level of stress because you might already have your emotion meter pegged if this doesn't elicit some kind of emotional response from you. But it's it's a great story. Um, and, of course, Brad Bird, this is his feature-length uh, directorial debut. The next movie that he would go on to do was uh, 2004's The Incredibles, which, again, to this day, is the Fantastic Four movie that we should have been getting all along. It is still the best Fantastic Four movie that has ever been made, and it's not even the fantastic four, but it still is, is the damn movie that should have been made. Um, and Brad Bird is just, is one of those guys who is just so good at what he does. And the fact that you just see it in this. And like you said, just a great cast. Um, you know, of course, uh, you know, Vin Diesel, once again, uh, a man of few words and and getting paid for them very heartily. Uh, (laughs) apparently that's his thing. That's his gimmick. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, Harry Connick Jr. do a great job. Um, Christopher McDonald, though, is the one I want to point out the most. Uh, playing Kent Mansley. It <laughs> uh, just is the over-the-top, overzealous government official. Uh, oh, my gosh. Shooter McGavin. Just in fifth fracking gear, the whole <laughs> movie is a delight, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. It is worth watching just for him. Uh, but is such a great flick, such a great flick overall. Uh, it's, it's so good. I, I was so happy. This is a flick that my daughter enjoyed watching when she was young because, again, she would want to watch it all the time. And I'm like, oh, we can totally watch the Iron Giant again. Yes, yes, we mm-hmm. can. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely, uh, it needed to be in my top five for this year. Very nice. What do you got for, uh, number four?
1: Uh, number four is American beauty. Uh, and this one, uh, I picked because it, it just has, um, a deep story to it. A story that I think still resonates even today in today's times. Um, and, uh, really, and, and, you know, mostly a drama, but with some, I think all dramas do have some points of comedy in them and, and, you know, and, and Kevin Spacey playing this, this husband going through this midlife crisis, um, I thought was really funny. Um, just kind of taking this, this attitude of, of trying to take control of his life and, and, uh, and you know, really kind of noticing how he and his wife are more kids than the kids are. You know what I mean? Like just, just mm-hmm. the, the, you know, just, just kind of the, the crazy lengths they, they go to, to either, you know, take each other off or, um, or try to one up one another and stuff. And, and, you know, all of the, all of the kids, the teens and, and this, not that they're more adult, but they're just um they they seem more even-keeled and 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 a bit more stable than the adults are um but you, you know the cast is deep um Kevin Spacey Annette Bening Thora Birch uh Mina Savari, Peter Gallagher Allison Janney Chris Cooper Scott Bakula uh of that's of, right uh, quantum leap fame ladies and gentlemen uh John Cho uh as well um uh, from uh, Kumar and uh, sorry, I'm forgetting the name. Harold, uh, and Kumar. Harold and Kumar go to white castle. Um, but yeah, I, I picked this just cause, you know, again, it's one of these movies I went in with, with really not knowing what to expect and just had a powerful ending to it. Um, it's a disturbing ending, but it is an ending that, you know, I think sometimes when art has you as, as you kind of walk away from it, has you thinking about life and, and, you know, what you do in life and, and, you know, how are you touching other lives and that sort of thing. I, I, I think it's done its job and and I think this one brings up some really good themes and 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 topics and the story um I you know of, of this man's struggle um or this family struggle I, I think you know just really resonated with me at the time and um and and just uh you know I I would recommend it. I I, I think it just I, I think it's a movie that has um you know, aged well and still has you know, I think something to say even in today's times, and and so I would uh, highly recommend it. So that's my number four.
0: Right on. And uh, I I will say it it is it is one of those movies that I, I was I was very hesitant to bring up The Usual Suspects earlier uh, because it is one of those movies that because of what we know now about a participant or part of the movie, um, it makes it problematic. To go back to, um, I got to admit, since I found out that apparently Kevin Spacey is a, is a trash human being, I have not watched the usual suspects. And that was, that was like a top 10 film for me, like overall film for a long time, just because of how well it was made. And that's not even, uh, I can't remember what the heck the director's name is, but he's, he's also not a very, uh, good person either to put it lightly. Um, crap. What's his name? the director of remember. of what usual suspects you also did x-men i can't remember oh uh let me look at yeah quick. but uh but you have it's one of those things that kind of makes me now go okay i i just you know what brian singer reason, brian singer like i personal decision i just don't want to watch that movie and it it is tough because some of these movies like american beauty won a ton of awards was highly acclaimed and probably still incredibly highly rated what what is it A uh, I just, I've got it here. Uh, 8.4 rating on, on IMDb. So mm-hmm. highly rated, yeah. probably one of the high, most highly rated movies we're going to talk about today. And yeah. got to say, I've seen it once. I thought mm-hmm. it was, I thought it was a, an, a a really interesting movie. I don't know if I, I'd say it was like a, a movie that was one of my favorites of all time or anything like that. But I was like, wow, that's, that is unlike a lot of the other movies I've seen. And now I'm like, nah. I don't think I never need to really watch that again. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but no, it's 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 worth bringing up for discussion for sure. Understood. Understood.
1: What is your number four, sir?
0: Uh, number four for me is uh, the the uh, the Godfather two of the Toy Story <laughs> um, <Michael>. the <laughs> franchise is a uh, Toy Story two, which. I would say and, and the reason I put it that way as our, as the Godfather part two is the, even though it's the sequel, it is arguably the superior movie to the original. The only thing that the, that you really get, you know, the original has is that it's the original yeah, and you mm-hmm. can't, it, you couldn't have the second without the first. Um, but man, this movie is freaking loaded. Uh, Gosh. first of all, you, you know, you got, you know, director John Lasseter, um, and, uh, you know, of course, the writers, John Lasseter, Pete Docter, longtime uh, writer for Pixar, Ash Brannan. Um, But then you start getting into the voice cast. OK, Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Joan Cusack, Kelsey Grammer, Don Rickles, Jim Varney, Wallace Sean, John Ratzenberger, Annie Potts. I mean, come the frack on. And that's before you even get into like Arlie Ermey, uh, you know. Uh, just uh, you start getting deeper into the, Wayne Knight ladies and gentlemen Wayne Knight who we were talking about earlier as a uh, as Newman uh playing the and and the and what's his face um from Jurassic Park I can't remember the Sam Neill no 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 uh, but uh the character he played in Jurassic Park Wayne Knight Oh I don't remember the character's uh, name uh, sorry uh, 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 like I mean come on this this cast is loaded and Kelsey Grammer ladies and gentlemen uh, and, and an example of like oh it's just an animated film you're just going to voice it it's fine you could totally mail it in and people would be like "Man, you can't really tell kelsey grammar came loaded for fracking bear with this movie ladies and gentlemen like a performance par excellence as like <laughs> as prospector you know <laughs> nice, playing a, nice. Playing a stuffed prospector character but yet manages to come off as like oh dear god he's frightening <laughs> like i'm terrified of this character um and i mean of course this is this is kind of like i believe this is the last time that we have like the full um you know collection of voices of course don rickles uh mr potato head jim varney slinky dog uh i believe rickles was might have made it to to three i think jim varney passed after this movie so i mean it's kind of like the the last original og cast even getting down to the secondary characters but a great story man like the whole first story is like buzz coming to his senses and realizing he's a toy and and then they got to go save him and this whole next one is like okay well what happens when you're no longer the favorite and what happens when you're not you know, center stage, and and new friends come along, and this and that, and you, oh, you're going to feel special, and kind of having to go save Woody, and it's it's a it's actually a I think a better story than the first one in many ways. It's it's almost a more grown up kind of story, like a more mature yeah. story, and of course the just thing I, again the cast like Kelsey Grammer puts it over the top, but Joan Cusack does a fantastic job, and. uh you know, again, just great performances all around. Um, so yeah, I, I I saw this one. I'm like, oh, I've totally because again, I watched this with my daughter. I don't know how many times w- when she was young, and and now I'm almost to the point where I'm like, hey, can we watch like the Toy Story movies now? Because I I kind I kind of miss them, you know. Um, but uh, fantastic movie, fantastic movie, top to bottom, I would say. So that's that Very is my nice. number four slot very nice. All right, sir, what do you got for number 3 on your list and I think we're going to have some discussion about this one. Uh
1: my number 3 is Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace.
0: Ooh.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Ooh. I back in 1999, Ooh. Uncle Todd and I shared an apartment and I dragged him uh kicking and screaming.
0: No, not really. Actually, he, were we still were we were we still in the apartment at this point? We were we were I thought that uh oh that's right because you were moving... okay never mind I've got my timeline wrong that's okay right. so yes that's continue right. sir continue uh,
1: yeah so we went and saw a midnight showing one of the few midnight showings that I have gone for a movie uh, to see the uh, Star Wars ep- uh, Star Wars outing that uh, you know highly touted diplomacy and uh, blockades as the <laughs>
0: Yeah. Main and, and,
1: main point of, of friction and plot.
0: So and what grand cinema did we go to? Was this a was this a uh, historical cinema that we went to? Some sort of grand theater of the twenties and thirties that had been renovated and brought up to date? The man they was called it
1: Tim st- back in the day,
0: uh first classing no, it all the way. We went to Barrington, oh. friggin' New Hampshire, and the only hey. people who know where the Barrington, New Hampshire, is is people theater. who live in Barrington. It was a newer theater at oh, the time. Newer theater, my arse! It was a, it was the one that you could get tickets to for like a dollar fifty and a stick of gum.
1: <laughs> well, that that helped me afford the first class for the, uh, you know, the other flight. Anyways,
0: yeah. So, anyways, why did this make your make number three? Uh, on your list. And and this may be one of those cases where, as we talked about,
1: there is that, that coloring of, of our view, a, a, a bias of sorts coming through where the rose colored uh, glasses, the rose colored glasses where, yeah, we, we have a situation here where, uh, the hype, um, and the excitement around the first original star Wars content, uh, in, in about 15 years, um, was coming out. And, uh, And telling, you know, and basically being the the start of of an arc that was going to tell the story of Anakin Skywalker. So it it was it was new and fertile territory that we were going to see a uh, backstory of, of a major character in Darth Vader start to be told and try to, you know, basically coming to an understanding of, of how a, an innocent young boy, uh, imbued with, uh, the force is going to become one of the uh, biggest villains, uh, of, of all time. And, uh, and so, uh, George in, in all his, his wisdom, uh, put together some phenomenal trailers, Movie? Well, um, it, it's, it's okay. You know, it's, it's, you know, I can it look was now. A movie.
0: What's that? It was a movie. It had a <laughs> beginning, a middle, and an end.
1: It was, I mean, it had its moments. I thought the action was good. I, I appreciated the introduction of Darth Maul. I thought that was, um, the start of what could have been, I think, a, a Vader You know, not that he, not that Maul was ever going to get to the level of, of what Vader was because Darth (laughs) Vader was, or is a unique villain. And that is what makes him iconic. But I thought George was going down a path of introducing a villain worthy of that. And, and at least something that was going to span the trilogy and Maul and very surprised that Maul uh, meets, or at least what we think is his end uh, at, at the end of this movie. Um, you know, so it was the start of seeing some opportunities, um, you know, really get flushed down the toilet in some ways. And I just uh,
0: love how you're trying to put a shine on the fact that George Lucas gave us like one of the most iconic looking bad guys ever and then jobbed him out <laughs> unceremoniously yes. at the end of the flick. Yes. And we're all just like, what the hell's going to happen now? Right, who who's the bad guy? You
1: know, so um,
0: I just love how you, you you like the effort you're putting into. Like, man, are you sure? Are you on the take from from George as well as Feige? Like, are you getting a paycheck from
1: I both th- of them? Wait, 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 wait! I'm not trying to justify what he did. I'm I'm saying I don't
0: agree with it. I I think well, no, he... but I mean, even even in doing that, you're like trying to put the best spin possible on it. Like you want no. to be in, you want to be in public relations, sir, for the job <laughs> you're doing on. I'm 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 saying it as a compliment, you, sir. It's amazing. I told you in
1: Denver, sir, it's all about the messaging. It's all about the messaging.
0: Yes. And your messaging right now says that I'm on the payroll, is what that's saying. <laughs> well, I'm hoping to be on the payroll. Uh,
1: this this was, I think, one of the biggest movies of 99. Uh, not to not to say that it was, uh, quality-wise, one of the best. Um, but uh, I will say, it, it. you know, for what it was at the time, it was... Uh, like I mentioned, first original content in 15 years, 16 years, um, had a lot of excitement behind it being the start of, of a story of the downfall of, of a character, uh, who started out in, in a, a good place and ends up, uh, obviously, as we know in episode three in a very bad place. Um, but yeah, just, you know, looking back now did not live up to the hype and did not live up to what it could have been. Um, and. Uh, You know, part of that, I think, goes to, um, you know, when we started this podcast, I had uh, very recently finished reading uh, the George Lucas um, biography uh, that was, uh, I forget the author's name, and unfortunately, I sold the book, so I don't remember. Uh, I'll have to look it up. Um, But uh, in that biography, he talks about how, you know, really writing scripts is not his, you know, he, he... he has a picture in his head of what he wants to do but he he's he does not enjoy the writing process and and i think we start to see that in this first movie and we see it in episode 2 i think episode 3 Gee, think. is better Um, I, I think episode three salvages and, and is probably the best of the three in this trilogy, but, uh, this is definitely where we start to see, you know, some of the limitations of, of Lucas and, and it would have been better if he involved some other people to write it. Maybe he could have still directed it, but, um, but yeah, we, we, we definitely start to see that in this movie, but it is nonetheless, it is still my number three nostalgia. And, and as I look back on this, um, this was just a, this was exciting for me. I I was very excited excited about new Star Wars content and uh, given that we're talking about 99 I got to rate it highly because it was something I looked forward to and enjoyed
0: and and I'll agree I mean the the fact that I'll agree the fact that everyone was looking forward to it because it was and no one ever thought we would get more Star Wars movies like even people who are working for Lucasfilm started out thinking I'm gonna make the next Star Wars movie and they're like and in the back of my head I'm thought then that's never gonna happen and then they ended up working on this flick it's like oh my gosh and it was huge. It was the. It, you're you're absolutely correct. It was the top grossing movie of 1999 at 474.54 million dollars at the box office. Uh, a tidy, almost 100 and actually over 180 million dollars more than the second highest grossing movie, which was The Sixth Sense. So, it's you know. However, that being said, uh, so the top four top five movies of 1999 number one star wars episode one number two the sixth sense toy story two austin powers the spy who shagged me and the matrix coming at number five of those movies the sixth sense toy story and the matrix are the most highly rated and it's easy to see why you know um Man, George, and you're right, someone else need to be in the writer's room with him. George is a sole credited writer. He is the director. He is the producer. His name is firmly tacked onto this turd of a movie. And I think the problem, the biggest problem was for someone who is self-admittedly not good at writing scripts, it should have been like, hey, I probably have Larry Kasdan's uh, number around here somewhere. Let me give him a call. He did a pretty dang good job on that Empire Strikes Back flick. I've got a long ways to go from episode one to make this tie up to episode four. I need some help. And he didn't get it. And therefore, the rest of the the rest of the trilogy was always playing catch up. And by the time he hits, you know, episode three, the reason why it's so good is because like, okay, there's a short distance. I just have to get from here to there. And it's within sight. Whereas like from episode one to episode four is over the horizon. Mm. And he Mm. was not even like walking. He was moseying to get to the point in that movie. I was like, the Phantom Menace makes the first two thirds of Titanic look like it's an, like an action flick moving on meth. Holy God. Like we're, we're watching that movie. And even as I'm excited to watch star Wars, I'm like, is there, gonna be a point to this eventually
1: <laughs> i kind of hope so hey look the the storyline is described to be the evil trade federation led by newt gunray is planning to take over the peaceful world of naboo is that not exciting
0: ladies and gentlemen hell no it's not exciting <laughs> i don't hear jedi sith vader oh
1: wait at the all sentence, in any of that. wait the next sentence jedi knights qui-gon jinn and obi-wan kenobi are sent to confront the
0: leaders aka two mofos you ain't never heard of <laughs> going up against another mofo that you ain't never heard of mm-hmm. but it, he looks kind of cool uh-huh. so again it comes here's the thing and uh, this is why to me um ladies and gentlemen i just want to state unequivocally uh i'm a paul Heyman guy that um paul <laughs> Say whatever you want about professional wrestling. And I've, I've kind of, I've talked to my wife about this and she's been, good Lord, she's a saint for actually even just listening to me blabber about this <laughs> stuff. But Paul Heyman talked about like the storytelling wrestling. And it, it, the thing is that this carries over to every other, this is storytelling at its basic. Who are these people? Why are they fighting? And why should I buy a ticket? Mm-hmm. That is storytelling. Mm-hmm. What's the conflict? You know who are the characters? Who are the people involved? What's the conflict, and why should I give half a damn about it? Mm-hmm. Enough to buy a ticket, buy a book, uh, stream the movie, whatever. And if you can't, if you can't like answer all those questions, you ain't got a story. And the problem is, it took George so long to get to the point with that. That by the time you got there, you're like, ugh. I just don't even care anymore. I'm just waiting for the credits to roll and hope that the next two movies are better. That's my piece.
1: All right. Well, that's <laughs> that's my number three, Star Wars Episode One, Top. And rightfully
0: movie so. Rightfully so. I mean, it's it, it it's a landmark. It is a landmark. However, the thing is, it's a landmark that quite honestly could burn down, and people will reference it and not really ever care about what happened. Everything know. everything that happens in that movie is referenced in other movies. You don't even need to watch the damn movie. Like You can mm-hmm. re-watch the entire saga and just not watch episode one. Just skip it entirely, and you'll catch up later on.
1: I think it's you insane.
0: Like the po- I think you like the pod racing. You're just afraid to admit it. Yeah, that's great. One good scene out of an entire flick. I think you like Darth Maul not really because even that at the end you're like well he's got to get away or something no we're just going to chop this mofo in half and call it a day like and you didn't even care about him at that point because i mean he was supposed to be this big bad you only saw him in like two scenes it's like you didn't even get you just spent, spent all that time just gawking at Anakin like oh isn't he so cute oh my gosh he's gonna kill so many people and yet we don't focus on who the actual bad guy in the movie is. Like, yes, Anakin's going to be the eventual bad guy. Mm -hmm. How about this flick? Unless Anakin's going to pick up a lightsaber and start killing a bunch of Jawas or something. Um, I don't care. Like, I want to know who the bad guy in this movie is. Again, who are these people? Why are they fighting? And why do I care? All right still my number I three. I rest my case. I, I, am, I am My name is Uncle Todd, and I am the advocate for people who hate Phantom Menace. Still a good flick. You know, however you want to delude yourself, or however much old Forrester you've had, I don't know, whatever.
1: What's your number three?
0: My number three is the Blair Witch Project, which was, to me, is one of, the, like... I, I could count the number of horror, like actual horror movies. Actually, I don't even know. Would you would you qualify the Blair Witch Project as a horror movie? Uh, I mean, it's kind of a suspense thriller. Would you call it a horror movie, though?
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I it's it's hard for me to distinguish between suspense thriller and horror because sometimes the suspense leads to the horror. You know what I mean? And I feel like True. this movie kind of does that.
0: Yeah, for me, this is about as close to a horror movie as I will willingly actually go to see. Okay, right. um, so I remember seeing this. This one I did see in the theater, and uh, I vividly remember exactly where I saw it. I saw it at a at a at a multiplex, a rather large multiplex, in Hampton Roads, Virginia, and me and friend of the show, uh, and actually guest on the show, Mike, uh, were we're traveling down to Virginia along with our friend Mel uh, to see another friend of ours who was living down in Virginia during the summers. So we went down there to visit her for like a weekend and we had to kill time because uh, our friend worked at Bush Gardens at the time. And so she was getting out at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, something stupid like that. So we were wait- We were killing time <laughs> between dinner and when we were going to go home and-, and drink a bunch of beer. That was really what we were doing. And so we were like, Hey, let's go check out this Blair Witch movie. We went and watched the Blair Witch Project, and I was just aghast at the end of it. And it is one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had in cinema because in the theater, the movie ends, the credits start rolling, the house lights come up, and nobody moved. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody moved. Like, and, and normally, like, there's people who get up right as soon as the credits start. Nobody. And it stayed that way for a good minute or two. We were all just sitting in our seat like, what in the hell just happened? You know, and I've never been in a a movie theater where you could feel that. And the tension was still in the room because we were almost waiting for the credits to get interrupted by something. Like there wasn't a mid credit scene thing at the time, but we were waiting for it because like, no, that's surely not the end of the movie. Right. And eventually we all kind of get up and we go out into the lobby. And this lobby was fairly big and so me and mike are standing there and our friend mel says okay i gotta go use the bathroom and she goes off and uses the bathroom and mike and i being you know young bucks and and kind of just you know not caring not not thinking too far ahead we're still thinking of the movie and we see like an arcade and so we kind of go across diagonally across this gigantic uh lobby to this arcade and we go over there and we're checking this thing out i don't even remember what it It might have been like some soccer game or something i don't know whatever was cool in 99 we didn't have cell phones so whatever mortal Um, Kombat. might have been who knows but so our friend mel comes out of the out of the bathroom and we're gone we we're nowhere to be seen and she freaks the f out really (laughs) and then eventually she spots us over at the arcade she comes over and she grabs us by the shoulder bolts and spins us around she's like don't ever leave me again (laughs) <laughs> Just like that, and it was like it was funny but yet i got it and yeah. it was, it's kind of funny because i'm like we're in a well-lit area like we didn't leave you in a rest area at a dark you know on a darkened side of the highway yeah. or anything yeah
1: oh my gosh
0: That's but it was funny. that unsettling of a yeah. movie and that and the times that i've watched it since then i've i've watched it with a couple different people and i always insist on we're watching this completely in the dark like oh all yeah. the lights are out everything is dark, Mm -hmm. not a, not a light on in the house shades pulled because I just want to get back to that immersive experience of seeing this movie for the first time and going, what in the hell did I just watch? Yeah. You know? And it was like that kind of underground guerrilla marketing too. And, and (laughs) it was insane. And and just the effect that movie kind of had on cinema in general, yeah, It was, it was, it really was like, it kind of fooled people. Like people really didn't legit know it's, it was the beginnings of the internet, you know, of, of really kind of the internet kind of becoming the thing that it is becoming that, that it is now. And it was, it was just this weird phenomenon. And I, I can't yeah. ignore that because at the end, at the end of the day, like it, the making of the movie where the, the actors are essentially like kind of their own film crew isn't as, as a whole story in and of itself. And the fact that you wind up with something usable is really remarkable. So just for the effect that had, and, and it had kind of on me as a as a film goer, I had to put that at number three. Nice. Nice. What's sitting at number two for you?
1: First rule of Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> okay. So my number two is... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, my number two is Fight Club. Um,
0: Which actually, the the follow-up joke to that is apparently, you know, the first rule about uh, CrossFit is that you have to tell everybody about CrossFit.
1: <laughs> Obnoxiously. Exactly. Um, directed by David Fincher, uh, quite a cast. Uh, Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Yes. Uh, Love, Zach Grenier, uh, Hel- Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, well, who else I'm trying to find some big names here. Okay. I think that was pretty much it. Um, but you know, deep cast and a really a novel and very interesting story. Um, mm. uh, you know, in some cases it's, it's been kind of framed as this sort of tale of, you know, um, just, you know, male, you know, male angst from that time and, and that sort of thing. But it is a, uh, just a just a great story, great movie of uh, and, and, and really with with, you know, kind of one of the better twists built into it, not M. Night Shyamalan sort of twist, mm-hmm. but uh, a, a, a twist nonetheless that you really didn't see coming. Um, in terms of, of what, what is actually going on and, and just kind of the absurd level that it goes to, you know, with it. And that, that's kind of, you know, in some ways, the basis of the movie is just the, the absurdity that it goes to with, with some things. Um, but, but really is just a, a great, uh, you know, just, just a great story. And, and, you know, really a, a story of, of a uh, young man kind of coming to terms with what his life is, and coming to terms with who he is, and, uh, and just doing it in a very, very creative way. And, uh, and, and really kind of, at a you know, like I said, in a, a very absurd way as well. And so um, I, I just, when, when I watched it, it, it was just so different from, from a, a, You know filmography standpoint i mean just just, there's a lot visually going on with it that's really intriguing and kind of enhances the story um you know they, they go into almost like breaking the fourth wall around things like with film and and you know um you know just just some of the subtleties that happen with film and stuff like that and you know just kind of talking about uh you know commercialism and things like that it just it touches on a whole bunch of themes very deep um and and just has has a great uh, you know i i think it has an interesting message to it you know and and so i i uh i i really enjoyed this film felt it was it was uh worthy of the number two spot and is my pick for that uh that number so what are your thoughts? very
0: nice I would have this was definitely in my in my top 5 and I saw when I saw that you had picked it and I realized I had more flicks than I knew what to do with. I was like, "Hey, I'll still get to talk about it cuz Tim picked it." So, thank you. Um welcome. Have you ever read the book? I have not. Okay. I think it's interesting because I am I am one of those annoying folks who will be like, "Yeah, the book was better." And mostly I mean partly because I'm 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 a jerk you know that and I just take pleasure in doing that to people but honestly books usually are better because you you get so much more room to breathe you get too, so much more room for detail to go in depth and things because you're not expecting to get in and out of a book in two hours you know sure yeah this is one of the f- one of the very few books that I have read and seen the movie where I'm like the book actually improved. I mean, I'm sorry, the movie actually improved on the book. And none other than the mm-hmm. author, Chuck Palahniuk, has has Palenik has has said that it's an improvement on what he wrote. And that's an accomplishment to get an author to say, yeah, you know what? That movie that you took, you, you took my book and distilled down to a two-hour movie. That's pretty damn good. That's actually better than what I wrote. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often, you know? No. Um and it's a tribute to David Fincher and also to Brad Pitt and to Edward Norton and and just their performances and the the overall visual style. It it just sort of all came together and yeah, it really is such an influential flick and and a good flick. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's from someone who enjoyed the book a lot and who has yeah. enjoyed several of 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 Palinik's books. Uh, not so much the ones lately because i somewhere along the line it feels like that dude kind of went off the rails i'm just going to say but yeah um this I this think book, the right I term. was like, great
1: yeah i i thought, i like the term you use style i i i think that's the better term to use is stylistically both in terms of the the writing you know so 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 what what is articulated on screen and the way it is presented um yes. has has such a unique style to it that this is a movie that whenever it is on TV, you know, again, if I'm not doing something super critical, I will plop down and just watch it because I, I, I just really enjoy it. You know what I mean? And, and it is just, um, and, and I enjoy experiencing it you know, because of that stylistic tone to it. So I, I don't know how to really describe it other than that. You know, there, there's something about when you watch certain movies that you just get drawn into them and, and you, you just want to just kind of experience it again, because it was just, you know, just, just such a, an interesting experience when you went through it for the first time or second time and so forth. And so, yeah, stylistically is, is probably one of the stronger movies uh, from 99.
0: Yeah, there's several movies, I think, and, and some just in this list that we've talked about that you kind of wish you could go back and see for the first time. You wish you could just wipe your memory so that every time you would rewatch it, it's the first time. So you get to experience that again.
1: You yeah. know, like we've
0: yeah. we've both rewatched Battlestar Galactica a couple of times now, but it's not the same as when you watched it the first time. And there's right. there is a part of me that understands that whole like, <sighs> If only I could just wipe out my memory of that and go back and see it for right. the first time to get those holy crap moments. Uh, Fight Club is kind of in that category, you know? And and, and I, I... I Worthy inclusion to your list, sir. Very nice. I'll go with uh, at number two for me, <laughs> a movie that uh, was uh, probably uh, much maligned and uh, also would not make a whole lot of top five lists. Uh, but I'm going to go with Kevin Smith's dogma um, nice. because honestly, I think this is one of his better flicks. And I think it's a really interesting flick and um, is just one of those movies that I'm like, wow, he really kind of tapped into some interesting stuff, but while also getting some, some good, you know, fart jokes and, and poop jokes in there as well. So I'm always a fan of that because my sense of humor just stopped somewhere around age 12. Um, but it's a great, it, to me, it's a, it's a very interesting story, you know, two angels who have been cast out of heaven, who are willing to just completely undo, uh, you know, existence as a whole in order to uh, either gain access to heaven or to just stop having to live on earth. And uh, uh, w- such a great cast, although I will get into, <laughs> I will get into one that probably, uh, everyone was wishing hadn't been. So of course we have bat fleck. Uh, we have Ben Affleck. We have Matt mm. Damon. We have Linda Fiorentino. Uh, we have, uh, George Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, nice playing Cardinal Glick. Oh my gosh. So good. Uh, of course, uh, then we have some, uh, normal cast of characters. We have uh, Brian O'Halloran. Uh, then we start getting into, uh, you know, more of Kevin Smith's friends, Janine Graffalo in a very, uh, brief appearance jason lee uh as uh azriel a demon from hell and then also of course we have um oh my gosh why am i completely forgetting his name uh alan rickman as the metatron uh the voice of god which in in many ways just seems so right that god would sound like alan rickman like (laughs) sure you know what? I'm you know, I I'd, I'd be good with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm fine with that. Um but oh my gosh, such a just a a fun movie but also kind of had some like deep moments. Uh, also um oh my gosh, I got to This is the thing I hate about the new fracking um IMDb page is you have to like click through eight different things to get the full cast because then mm-hmm. it's just like in order of appearance, so a lot of the people show up don't show up till later on. Um, so, of course, we got Chris Rock as Rufus, the 13th Apostle, <laughs> <laughs> which is such, it's such a great concept. Like, I want an entire Rufus, the 13th Apostle movie, quite honestly. I wish that was, you know, after after Kevin Smith gets done Roadshow Clerks 3, I really hope he goes back and revisits that. And, damn it, I hope Chris Rock is on board for that, because that would be great. Uh, we have Selma Hayek, of course, uh, as Serendipity. Um, <laughs> Which I mean, anything Selma Hayek is in, she is just one of those. I don't. I, I'm wondering. I think Selma Hayek is probably like five foot one, at, you know, at best. But it seems like she has an attitude that's like six and a half feet tall, which I I just so appreciate. Um, but yeah, so the the funny thing about this is this is the movie which uh, was being protested before it was even released. People mm. were very upset that Kevin Smith was mo- making a movie that had anything to do with the Catholic Church and were protesting the movie. The movie hadn't even been released yet, and they were protesting it, so no one had seen it. So they're protesting a movie they hadn't seen. So Kevin Smith decides he's going to go down and protest his own movie <laughs> and was on was on the local news in New Jersey protesting his own movie. And they're like, um, aren't you Kevin Smith? It's like, oh, no, no, no. This movie I heard, it's really bad. <laughs> Oh so you can gosh. look that up on YouTube if you want. That's uh, funny. And it's it's great. Uh, and then also the fact that apparently everyone couldn't stand Linda Fi- Fiorentino on set. And Kevin Smith has been on record afterwards saying he wished he had casted Janine Groffalo as the lead, which now I'm like, oh, my gosh, that would have been so much better. Yeah. <laughs> Janine Groffalo would have killed it. Uh, but I just I love the movie because it's it, it does get in some deep questions and it really does get into some some larger issues and but also has a rubber poop monster in it so i mean <laughs> what more could you want really from a movie yeah. and it has a very interesting use of the uh, of the fat albert theme as well so we can uh, actually know that's actually in the uh, um in the cutscene. so you have to you have to buy the dvd or get uh, like an online version that has the additional features in order to get that little piece of things mm-hmm. but that is my number two movie from 1999. Very nice. good. Solution. Which brings us to both of our top picks, which mm-hmm. amazingly are the same.
1: I don't know how you'd go with any other movie in 99. Like this, this movie to me was, you know, almost kind of like a defining movie for
0: 99. Because I had to it, wrestle with this one a little bit. Did you? Okay. I almost went with The Spy That Shagged Me. I'm gonna pretend you didn't
1: say that. Mostly just to piss you off. Well, you <laughs> have succeeded. Do just not to make heal it up for it you. Just apply the verbal
0: rock bottom to you, sir. <laughs> Sweet Lord Almighty! Listen, I'm not your neighbor with a with a fence that you're trying to <laughs> you know n- negotiate over. You have no power over me, oh, HOA God presidente.
1: <laughs> but. Uh, I think no movie exemplified, you know, the, the culture, the times, and, and was really just kind of, you know, for its time, really, uh, you know, just breaking the mold in terms of special effects and, uh, and really had, had, oh, yeah. had a great story to it, um, with, with a twist that, you know, you didn't see coming, um, that really, uh, just, just kind of defined that year. And that was the matrix. And, Um, say what you will about the sequels that followed, but you know, this movie was, was one of those that is just, you know, we use the term iconic a lot. It it is a, it is a Uh, iconic science fiction movie and, you know, anyone who goes into it, not having seen it for the first time really enjoys it. I watched this with my sons, they they really enjoyed it, even though it's, you know, 20 some odd years old, 20, 20 plus years old now, um, really enjoyed it um, like the story of it. And, 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 you know, really if they, if the Wachowskis had just made that film, um, would have been happy with that. You know, I mean, I, I enjoyed the, I personally enjoyed the sequels, um, you know, two, three and four. Um, I I'm just, I'm in the bag for this franchise and, and, you know, yes, I have the bias glasses on where, you know, maybe the quality isn't where, you know, like doesn't measure up to the first one, but, but I feel like the first one was just such a mold breaker, um, movies like this don't come along very often, and 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 the Wachowskis nailed it. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I very, very much. Uh, for me, this is without question the, the number one movie for 99, which is The Matrix. Um, and like I said, saw it for the first time when I was on a work trip out in the the deserts of California in, in a, uh, you know, small town. Just happened to roll into the, they, they, they had kind of a big theater in, in this, this mall area. And, uh, you know, was just looking for something to do on a Saturday, saw it. You know, I heard some things from a few friends, thought, okay, I'll give it a try and was just blown away. It was just absolutely blown away and left the theater like, holy crap, that was probably one of the best science fiction movies I've seen in a long time. Um, So, uh, so yeah, so for me, that's why it's number one. Um, Just, just quality story, special effects um, style. It just has it all. And, and it top to bottom is just such a solid flick. What are your reasons, sir, for number one?
0: I, I I don't know that I could put it any better than yours. Uh, however, I'll I'll give it a try. Um, but yeah, it's so influential just in style. Like when you think about cell phones, like that was like the cell phones that were in that movie then became like, oh my gosh, I got to have a cell phone like that. Because I th- I, if I'm remembering right, those were all prototypes. Like those were cell phones that were like coming Correct. down the pike, but they weren't actually in circulation at that time and everybody wanted those phones then, right and you know just the influence on on culture i mean there were there were college classes based around this the philosophy of the matrix like you've done something when it's not like it's not like a film class like this is just a general class in college not in a film school setting talking about a movie like an entire semester class centered around one movie that's that you've had an impact yeah and you know damn i mean the performances in it really good the the overall aesthetic is just so sublime like it it you you never really have a question of where you are And, and that's one of those things like um I guess in the movie inception for whatever reason in Japan, when they showed that movie, they actually in the, in one of the corners, they would show what level, you know, you, what level of, of dream that you were at because audiences for whatever reason, and and probably for a cultural sense of, of, you know, whatever just were like missing something Mm -hmm. the same way that a lot of times when a foreign movie you know, or a movie from a different country plays in the United States and people just miss something like actually Robert Rodriguez talked about that when he play, uh, his first movie El Mariachi played in in the US and he's like, there were there were these things that were funny, but they weren't laughing at them. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, wow, what is the meaning of this? And he's like, there's no meaning. It's just meant to be goofy. <laughs> yeah. But he says, because you're watching it with subtitles, people think that it has to be like this, oh, this is a really a very <laughs> deep movie. And he's like, people forget, like, in the rest of the world, like, everybody else is kind of used to watching movies with subtitles because it's just mm-hmm. the norm. Right. Or it was the norm, right. you know, because not every movie would get a dub, you know, with yep. the, in that language. So just the idea, like, you, you never really – have to wonder where you're at you always kind of know when you're in the matrix you know when you're in the real you know the real world you know things like that and just it it gives you this hyper elevated sense just even by the clothing that they're wearing because you're like nobody's wearing that yeah (laughs) you know and 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 it also tied into like the the video games that were happening at that time like Mm -hmm. where people are not really just noticing like nobody's noticing a bunch of these people walking down the down the street and like all like shiny leather and trench coats Mm -hmm. and stuff like really you know um it was just such a a different flick and like you said with the special effects the whole bullet time camera Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden now you're moving around a person as as something is happening like that's just like wait a minute you can do that Mm -hmm. um but of course all all of that doesn't mean squat unless you have a good story and there was a really good story yeah oh yeah and really good performances by the actors and and really well done you know directing and writing by the wachowskis Mm -hmm. you got to have all those things going in the same direction and they did and i think that you know just great casting top to bottom uh hugo weaving i mean oh my gosh come on Who else? I mean, Keanu
1: Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, Joe, Joey Pants. Uh, Who else? (laughs) Uh, One of uh, of the uh, big names, but that's that's still a pretty, pretty good list.
0: Oh, yeah. But I mean, even like this, even like the second, third tier uh, characters, just again, like when I talked about with like Notting Hill. And again, this is the first time that anyone has ever compared Notting Hill and The Matrix. uh, And I want that to be noted down for the record. Uh, But just everybody is giving like a hundred percent performance. Like there is nobody in this movie that is mailing it in. Everybody is like going over and above. And it's great to watch because you can see, you can kind of tell when everybody is believing in a movie, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm Mm-hmm and I really felt that from this movie and I, I would have been, I still to this day think that, you know, whatever revisionist history, I think that the movie was, was meant to be a standalone. There was never any plan for a second, third movie, especially a fourth, Yeah. but you know, uh, two and three. Okay. Yeah. I've seen them. I've, I've watched them both a bunch of times and, and four, you know, I think was a nice way to kind of tie things up, but man, the first one. Yeah earth shattering earth shattering yeah yep. and that's all i got to say about that thank you forrest almost <laughs> drank me about 27 dr peppers <laughs> which is which is the way,
1: the way you've needed bathroom breaks i'd believe it which Sweet is because i've
0: had to take two bathroom breaks in this Good episode Lord. not to not to go uh, to uh inside baseball pull back the curtain too much but I was trying to hydrate after <laughs> demolishing a floor, and apparently I over overshot the mark, and I've been leaking like a sprinkler ever since. <laughs> um, so we we also want to hand out a couple of awards for, for the year in movies, 1999, and uh, what is your first award, sir? Do you want me to just run through mine real quick? You can if you would like, sir. Because we, we, we are at two hours and thirty five minutes
1: at the moment. So oh my gosh! Are you we serious? Should, we should probably go through this quick. I'm just going to run through mine. Uh, so I th- these are these are. Uh... You know, well thought out uh, major awards here that I'm handing out. This is here. what
0: you came up with this afternoon. Come on
1: now, this afternoon it's six thirty. This evening, ladies and gentlemen. All right, here we go. Most accurate depiction of the future of entertainment: EdTV, ladies and gentlemen. Man being filmed uh, as mm-hmm. as part of his life. Yeah, that that basically became reality for all of us with uh, some of our shows we watch. Uh, most Star Trek like movie without being Star Trek: Galaxy Quest. Galaxy yes. Quest. Yes,
0: good stuff. Actually, one of the best Star. Star Trek movies ever made. Quite honestly, <laughs> I, I'm surprised it didn't survive deeper into our Star Trek bracket. Really, indeed, indeed.
1: Uh, best Arnold versus Satan movie: uh, End of Days. Uh, I don't think Arnold Get made to another the Satan shopper. movie after that. <laughs> Get <laughs> come down, here, come here, devil! I'm going to shoot you.
0: <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs>
1: uh this one i uh, can't believe this survived the pitch phase uh deuce bigelow male gigolo ladies and gentlemen 1999 yeah. vehicle uh probably forgotten by by most folks uh and then uh, this one i called best movie title that didn't use the police song of the same name uh message in a bottle uh that was a kevin costner flick i believe um and mm-hmm. uh, or, or was that a bruce willis one i don't remember anyways I don't know uh, don't
0: care to don't care to even look it up
1: uh and then the honorary uh, Nick cage high praise award uh eight millimeter was starring none other than nick cage uh and then finally the last one i have best movie based on a video game uh believe it or not way deep into the 99 lineup is wing commander don't know if you remember that that pc game but uh apparently Didn't some, have a gary Busey's kid in it it might have yes he was definitely a starship troopers which is kind of looks like it's based on a video game but not quite yeah um, but uh yeah we i have to look that up actually if if uh let me see let me look it up real quick
0: i i would i would actually put a dollar down on that i i think it was the 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 busey guy
1: all right let me see here whatever his uh, name is the cast Still uh, busey. The, apparently Freddie prince jr has top billing on this one so clear, clear clearly a uh i don't see a busey on this one sir uh dang it no nope, oh, well, just matthew add, Lilliard, who i believe was also in starship troopers i believe yeah, uh
0: add that to my tab yep
1: yeah this this was uh oh dear lord this was a bad one anyways those are my uh my awards what are your awards sir
0: well first of all um oh my gosh look at this uh <laughs> sorry i was I, i'm getting deep into uh other imdb credits here um so oh my gosh really the, wow what an uneven fracking okay so first of all we're gonna go we're, i'm actually going bottom to top here least likely buddy adventure of the year is play it to the bone uh and this would be the woody harrelson antonio banderas boxing vehicle oh good lord which was directed by Ron Shelton. Now, ron shelton very interesting uh directorial credits here so he starts off with bull durham then we get into blaze which i don't even know what that is white Mm -hmm. men can't jump then we go into Cobb, which was the robert wool tommy lee jones ty cobb movie then we get to tin cup then we get to play it to the bone dark blue hollywood homicide uh some T V movie called Hound Dog and Just Getting Started. But apparently he was a writer on Bad Boys Two. Hmm. Oh my gosh. So weird. But anyways, uh yeah, didn't really see Antonio and Woody teaming up. Um how that just wasn't like a gigantic Woody Antonio on the on the poster, and that's it, and just the <laughs> title of the movie. I don't know. <laughs> uh most nice. likely to be uh my new wando the wicked warden part Two. Oh god uh, is felicia's journey oh dear lord um this is uh let me see here uh of course released in 1999 a young woman leaves ireland to find her boyfriend in england and the, while there is helped by a man hiding unsettling secrets oh dear lord yeah what have you that one was when I was like, I'm staying the hell away from that one uh, <laughs> the movie title. That'd be a totally different movie in twenty twenty two tumbleweeds. <laughs> I'm guessing that would be a family flick about a bunch of people growing medicinal weed out in the suburbs mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, and you know what? I would watch the living snot out of that. I'm t- just saying right now uh here's a movie cover i always noticed at blockbuster but never had the urge to rent that would be titus um and that is the uh anthony hopkins vehicle and it's like him with like a helmet and uh, like a roman helmet and then he's got like a bunch of paint and the paint is all over him and the helmet and it's Mm -hmm. just very weird and i was Mm -hmm. always like wow that's that's an odd movie cover i don't ever want to see it uh, and then, of course, we come to the last award for me. Most 90s looking title, and that belongs to Existence, which is all lowercase except for, so it's E, lowercase E, capital X, lowercase I-S-T-E-N, capital Z, because <laughs> e X and Z were huge in the 90s, and they, they were just Z. trying to... I have no idea what this movie's about. I'm guessing it's virtual reality, but it just looks like a ton of crap to me just from the dated name at this point. Well, uh, that is that concludes our year in movies in 1999. And, uh, <laughs> the as grand you can odyssey see, that we've been on. <laughs> uh, neither one of us was really into indie flicks at this point, so it's uh, been a lot more commercial than I think the name was prepared for. But I hope nice. you've enjoyed it. And another thing! and uh, now we get to uh, the last portion of our show what do you got for in another thing sir uh,
1: my another thing uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks uh, kind of dove into and and this definitely falls in the category of, of just not knowing what to expect um, heard good things about the show Ted lasso from colleagues at work uh, and uh, you know thought I would give it a try now that we're on the Apple TV plus and you uh, took, you know, it kind of took two or three episodes, you know, episodes to get into, but it is a great, great show, a lot of heart to it, um, very funny, and uh, just would highly recommend it. So if you have not seen Ted Lasso, um, you know, Man They Call Tim is usually 10 years behind the times when it comes to pop culture. <laughs> uh, this time I am on the train, baby. Toot, toot. We are uh, riding, uh, waiting for season three. Uh, one, one of the characters from the movie, uh, his name is Sam Obisanya. That's the name of the character in the show. Uh, has There is actually a Twitter account that I think uh, is – managed by someone from the show, and they uh, all they've been putting up is the date 9 2022 so it's unclear if that means September 12th we get season three of Ted Lasso, or if it is December 9th, because of course in Europe, which is where the uh, show is based in Britain, uh, yes. uh, it is December 9th, so we will see when season three comes out, but if you have not seen Ted Lasso, you will not be disappointed. Give it episode one and two and 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 even into three to kind of get the ball rolling but it is funny jason sudeikis is phenomenal the the whole cast is great uh and and uh you know one of the iconic characters danny rojas in that show running around chanting his name and yelling football is life that is his moniker so uh I, i threw that in the show notes as well so do check it out on apple tv plus ted lasso you will not be disappointed
0: and I, I've I've started watching the first episode of Ted Lasso, and I will say the first initial confrontation of the owner of the club with the coach, who is then uh, promptly fired to make room for Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, one of the <laughs> one of the best written and acted scenes I think I've seen in in a pilot ever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was yes. just, oh, was chef's kiss. Oh, it was yes. lovely.
1: Not, not to spoil it for you, but one of the goofy jokes in it is, you know, so in, in Britain and probably in other countries, they they tend to say cheers, you know, as, as they greet you mm. as you depart. And there is a point, and I think it's in episode two or three, where Ted Lasso is, someone says cheers to Ted Lasso, and he's like, okay, night court. <laughs> So I'm just like, I'm, I'm dying laughing because I think that's really funny. So, you know, I mean, it's, you know, the, the comedy gets better if that doesn't hit your fancy, but anyways.
0: All right. Fair enough. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with, uh, the video archives podcast with Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery. This is a new podcast. Uh, The description reads thusly, Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery invite you to become a customer at Video Archives, the uh, the story that started it all, joined by their announcer, Gala Avery, They'll travel back in time to revisit old classics and discover new favorites pulled from the actual VHS tapes that Quentin and Roger used to recommend to customers at the original Video Archive store in Manhattan Beach. From controversial James Bond films to surprising exploitation flicks, the duo will expose you to movies you didn't know you'd love, give awards to their favorites, and, of course, rate the quality of the video transfer. Um, This is such a good podcast because if you've listened to Quentin Tarantino speak in any interview you know this man just doesn't run out of words ever nope. but roger avery is the one person who can keep up with him and actually cut him off and quentin will actually allow him to cut him off and make his point nice. it is rather amazing listening to these two talk about uh films because their their knowledge is encyclopedic first of all uh and and but also they're able to play off of each other and you can, you get the fact that they really enjoy just talking about films. Um, it's, it's so cool. It's a great, great listen. Even if sometimes like I've, I've listened to, I think I've listened to everything except the newest episode. And some of them, I don't, I, 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 I knew vaguely of some of my didn't know at all and i'm listening to it and i'm like i feel like i have a good view of the film afterwards even if i didn't get half of the references that they're they're throwing yeah. out like they're throwing out this oh yeah and i'm like what in the hell are they talking about now i've got no friggin' idea but you know what it's so entertaining um but it is, a, it is a great uh podcast to listen to and uh subscribe to i'm i'm gonna link the uh the apple podcast link but of course i think it's on spotify it's on most of the major podcasting platforms so you can pretty much find it anywhere i did not see an actual like website for it so uh but it is well worth going back and, and digging through that and of course it is is inter- interesting because they actually read like the description off of the back old the back of the old vhs box and you realize like how cheesy some of those boxes were when you go to read them at like blockbuster or your local video store and you're like Oh, this sounds good. And now you hear it, you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. Like, what PR person was in charge of that? <laughs> and why were they hired to do anything else? But, uh, but Video Archives Podcast, definitely worth a listen. Nice, very nice. Well, uh, thank you very much for all the members of the Free Range ADC congregation who are still with us after uh, all of this time. We certainly appreciate you tuning in, listening, downloading and subscribing. Thank you so much. You make this show worthwhile. Although, of course, we would still be doing this just with uh, far less viewers or viewers, listeners. Yes, because we're not on video because damn it, nobody needs to be subjected to that. However, if you'd like to join the Free Range Idiocy congregation, you can go to com. You can find all of our episodes there and download them individually. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, a whole slew of others. Just go ahead and search Free Range Idiocy Podcast and we will turn up for you forth with mm. uh you can find us on the social medias uh we are on instagram we are on uh, facebook we're on twitter oh actually we aren't on twitter because twitter has decided to like block us out of our account what jerks oh yeah i, I gotta fill there? you in on this i don't know so we had some quote-unquote suspicious activity i'm like i i hadn't even like tweeted in a couple of days and then I'd ver- I had ver—I know at some point along the line I had verified our email address, and now I've, I've tried entering every email address I've had since frigging college and can't get into our account. And because you know we're not like eight billion followers like Kanye or Beyonce or something, we don't we don't rank getting uh, Twitter support. They just basically stopped responding to me, so we're not on Twitter right now. But you can still find us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Range Idiocy. And maybe eventually Twitter will pull its head out of its arse and let us back into our account. If you have any questions, thoughts or concerns, you can send those to Tim at FreeRangeADC.com and he will get back to you. Uh, any, You know what? If you have a suggestion for a show, actually, that'd be great to send to him because sometimes we just go, I don't know. And you end up with episodes like this. No, we actually foot. thought this one. Uh, the ones that you find, the ones that you really get stuck with are the times where like literally like, oh, uh, what can we cobble together here? Um, but uh, now, before we hand this uh, off to the man they call Tim to take us home and to finally end this episode, I like to ask the second most important question ever uttered by humankind. The first, of course, being what is hip? The second, of course, being what the hell did we learn this episode? Uh, we've learned the following, sir. Uh,
1: ah. We have learned that after a few weeks off, uh, apparently we're capable of putting on a close to three hour show.
0: Uh, it's all about the rest. We're well
1: rested. We are well rested, and we do want to give our listeners all the content they can
0: muster and handle. Uh, oh, we've yeah. also learned sweet, sweet content. That's right. We've also learned from Stone, what was it? Stone Hammond or something Stone like that? Alexander. <laughs> Stone Alexander. Stone <laughs> Alexander. Are you the video? Are you the, the cable TV repairman? Oh, uh, good sorry. Lord. <laughs> I got lost there for a minute. Are you the Antichrist? Why, yes, I am. Bounce the chicken, watch the. Wait a minute, what kind of movie am I watching? <laughs> uh, a really bad one, that's the answer. We have
1: also learned uh, Star Wars Episode One is a quality flick, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Don't
0: listen to him. Pay he's no attention, jaded. Uncle Todd. And, he's, um, and he's, on the, he's on the take from George. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> he's on the. Ta- he's, you know what? It's even worse. He's not even on the take. He wishes he was on the take. He wishes that George would call was him to mow take. his lawn. Indeed. That's what he would do. He'd be out at Skywalker Ranch with a push lawnmower on 18 acres. But hey, George, is this is this short enough? No. Okay, I'll go back. I'll redo it. We have also learned uh, that,
1: uh, (laughs) and moving right along, apparently, apparently, quality knows knows no limit when it comes to movies like Simon Says or The Omega Code or Revelation. Uh, So, So,
0: uh, did we look up what what Omega Code did that meet the, the Showgirls line?
1: Uh, I I looked at it, and I don't remember. I think it was close to Showgirls. Let me look it up real quick while we do this.
0: I, I'll tell you what. You proceed. I'll, I'll look it up for you. I got
1: it. I got it. Uh, the
0: Omega Code. Wow. Kenny Omega actually comes up as an actor. Did uh, you know 3. that?
1: 3.5. It's actually worse than Showgirls. So there you have it. Ooh,
0: well, that says it all.
1: That says it all. Uh, we've also learned that there are some movies that somehow get past the pitch phase, and we're not quite sure how,
0: but uh, Deuce Bigelow,
1: Male Gigolo, and uh, Superstar uh, somehow were made. Uh, I don't know. I guess we just blame Lauren Michaels.
0: Pretty and much. Finally.
1: We have learned that The Matrix uh, is a top, top quality movie. Uh, If you have been living under a rock or have not yet seen it, please do so, because it is a quality flick. It will uh, wow you, it will amaze you, and it is certainly worth your time. So do
0: check it out. It will Uh, jingle your chimes.
1: Indeed.
0: Uh, Much like Stone Alexander. Stone Alexander. (laughs) And we have learned that Uncle Todd really is is keen to the name of Stone Alexander, apparently. Because it sounds like it's either a porn name or like a writer of bad spy novels. It's one of the two. Good Lord.
1: Well, with all that, folks, uh, be safe, be kind, be healthy, be good to one another. And, uh, well, for no other reason than, uh, you know, the man they called Tim probably spent a few too many shekels on those electric scooters down in Washington, D.C. Please, we need to save some shekels. Would you please hit the lights on the way out? And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves.
0: It kind of makes me wonder if, like, in other cultures, if there's, like, certain types of names that would be considered, like, adult film names. You know, like... (laughs) In Scotland, is there like, hey, are you the Road man <laughs> Hey, Clan Ferguson. Ring, ring, That's the thing. Is, like, can you do porn music on bagpipes? I. I, I
1: think it's hard weak. to. Do. Well, I mean, bagpipes are, are a musical instrument, but yeah, I don't know that you could play that and pull it off.
0: I don't know. That might. I need you to research that for the next show. I'll get right on that, sir.
1: <laughs> type in type in the type into the Google search. Let's see. Bagpipes playing porno music. <laughs> that search won't go
0: anywhere wrong, will it? In the next in the next show, broadcasting live <laughs> from Tim's garage. <laughs> Where all my crap lives
1: now Oh thank you Uncle Todd <laughs> for that assignment <laughs> I'll send Patrick out to keep you company Oh thank you that that'll make it fully complete
0: Now get the hell out of here! <laughs>